Lady, shut up. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, it played right off the bat. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the hosts of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. Tom Robinson will be joining us later, but right now it is Nate, it is Tim. We are talking a little wide men can't jump. It is basketball season. So close. So, so close to being here. It's August, and we are so excited to have you aboard here. Tim, thanks for being back with me here. What's up, man? Another day up here in the Great White North. Another article about Mr. Leonard. Another article about, is the man a mute? Can he speak? Will he speak? And will he speak? <laughs> but so far, like, so uh, far quiet. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a wrestling fan out there, it's almost like that time Chris Jericho came back and never cut a promo for like two months. And everybody was like, uh. <laughs> All reports are that he's on board, but he, he himself has been quiet, so... The city, the, the great city of Toronto, the the capital of the sports world, if you live there. So they'll tell you if you live there. Um, waits with bated breath <laughs> to hear some some words from this man of what his plan is, and but so far nothing. So, but I guess you know it's the off season, and he's probably yeah, busy. Yeah, not not a lot to say here in the off season. We're kind of uh. We're piecing this one together, so you're going to get a little bit of all three of us on here. Uh, yeah, well, they got a, you know, uh, there's a lot of guys being like, this is the time of year when if you're a uh, a lawyer or a, an expert in like sports contracts and this kind of thing, because I'm sure these yeah. guys have all got, you know, ten guys on the payroll. Um, okay, this is what we did for this year. All right, we signed. Now we need the next 72 scenarios. Uh, for next year, for where we might want to go, and what's the max we can pull from here? Who might go there? If he goes there, what does that do to my contract? Uh, blah 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 blah. Because it seems that the the uh, business side of basketball, particularly, has become uh, what's the word? Uh, it has become forefront. Uh, it doesn't really seem to be about a, as much about winning as it once was. Uh, these guys want to make sure that they. Uh, maximize their their finances for as long as they can be in the league, and I guess you, you can't really blame them for it. But it does tend to get a bit tedious, as we hear, or as I see today. You know, Carmelo Anthony signs for two point four million. When I do a I do a quick double take and go two point four million. What the hell? Oh yeah, right, because he's going to take two point four this year, so he can take you know one hundred and whatever it is, some obscene amount. Next year. Okay, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of kind of all over the place in terms of uh, what's going on in the off season. Carmelo Anthony is now a Houston Rocket, at, uh, physical pending, so we assume he'll be a Houston Rocket. That news broke today with AJ or Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, you're talking about the Lakers. I had a very long talk with um, Eric Pincus. 
from NBA TV, and he's a Lakers reporter. So we'll get to that conversation a little later. But right now, Carmelo Anthony yeah, has never—he's never come anywhere near the Philadelphia 76ers organization, correct? <laughs> not that we—not that we can remember. Okay, no. so, he, uh, so he, he's looking good to—he's looking good to pass the medical. It, it looks like he's going to pass. Uh, <laughs> All right, know for sure. But I'm right throw now, out out there. Take, that's in case. We want to take a second right now to thank our sponsor, the law offices of Stephen P. New. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by New Law Office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways? That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. Big thanks to our good friend and sponsor, the law offices of Stephen P. New. So Tim, let's talk a little LeVar Ball here. I know you're itching for it, so let's let's get oh, to my, it. Inform my good the, the LeVar. Inform, yes, your favorite man in the world. Inform the public what Mr. LeVar Ball had to say. Well, you know, LeVar I think he you know, he he's a bit like a, a bit like a Kardashian. He he looks around and realizes that he has not been in the news. So he needs to come up with something outrageous to say, to get back with, oh, will you stop that? My apologies. Crazy computer. Um, So LeVar came out, I guess it was a day ago, and promptly told the press, or anyone who wanted to listen in Los Angeles, that the Lakers are Lonzo Ball's team, not LeBron's team, and that Lonzo will not learn anything from LeBron James, and LeBron James cannot learn anything from Lonzo Ball. Now, that's so basically, so basically, what he's saying is this is kind of a lost cause here, huh? <laughs> well, one has to wonder. Now, there's no—I mean, even LeVar Ball's not stupid enough to realize that um, Lonzo only wishes he was a half the player that LeBron James is. Whether you, and that that I mean you know how I feel about uh, LeBron James and Lonzo Ball. Not a big fan of either, but good lord, uh, to even mention them in the same sentence as far as talent is concerned is a, a very large large stretch, even for a proud father. Um, and then to go to, so far as to say that my boy can't learn anything from him, uh, I, I guess that is to suggest that the great uh, LeVar has taught Lonzo everything there is to know. After all, the man can take anyone one-on-one. 
Yeah, he can take anyone one-on-one if you ask him, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he's a he's an attention whore, and that's all he is. Um, he is. You, you listen to him, and you just got to write him off as he's either a clinically do, insane but... or b he wants he wants publicity. And I'm going with b I on that the... one. My my point with it though is 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 why does the organization put up with him? If this was Kyle Kuzma's father, they would he would be told to shut up. Maybe behind the scenes, but somebody from the organization would go and tell him, "Hey, look, you're not doing the team, your son, or anybody else any favors. Put a lid on it, and if you can't, we'll put one on you because we'll." Kind of keep we'll uh, you know we'll block you from certain events and things and we'll probably tell our press pool maybe they shouldn't engage with you if they'd like to continue to engage with us et cetera et cetera and yet they don't seem to. I think they like I think they like the dressing room. I think they like the publicity. Maybe, but I really. But mm-hmm. in the dressing room, do you not think that that does that kid not? I mean, maybe he doesn't, but I would like to think that he's got to take some shit over his dad. Well, remember, Tim, uh, remember the Shaq and Kobe uh, relationship and how volatile it was. Um, okay, but that was always two tell- grown men going at two grown it, men. That wasn't it Shaq's was, daddy but, coming in there. <laughs> but remember, the mama, Lakers guess, did very little. As long as, as long as production on the court happened, the Lakers really, as long as there was no, like, you know, public intoxications or, you know, domestic violence or anything like that, the Lakers kind of just... Let them be I mean, them. LA, and I think I they're letting, and they're in Hollywood, where big personalities are big personalities, and he's not being racist like Donald Sterling. Uh, I think they're just no, letting him talk. No, that's true. He never goes down that road, or hasn't so far. Well, well, the other day he did call President Trump racist. Um, not getting okay, into politics. I'm not going to say I. Agree everybody calls disagree. President Trump racist. So. Yeah, everybody um, calls him. I right. would say no, that's not the problem more is going to be there, like you said, uh, if they win. If they don't get results, he, then we'll see a different tune coming out of L.A., especially if Lonzo Ball um, doesn't play very well. And really, to be Lonzo, honest, he, remember, does he really remember this the system Lonzo. with uh, LeBron? What is it? Does he really fit the system with LeBron there? LeBron likes to have the ball. He does, and Lonzo's uh, Lonzo's a decent enough shooter when he's open. He's going to get some wide-open looks, as Eric Pincus alludes to uh, in our interview, our conversation. And LeVar, I think LeVar, LeVar, Lonzo will thrive uh, with LeBron. I think his numbers will go up. Uh, but what he does as a player will go down. His assist numbers are about to drop. His um, Well, yeah, they have to almost. His, his shooting will go up because LeBron James likes to have the ball. LeBron James likes to drive to the basket. He likes to dish to players um, who are standing wide open. It's just LeBron's game. I don't think LeBron necessarily makes play better, but I think he allows their point totals per game to go up, if that makes any sense. I mean, I- Yes, no, it does. Uh, I, I, I've always, I mean, it's only been one season, so I, I guess I'll leave him a little bit of, of room yet. I always kind of thought Lonzo Ball was a tad bit overrated anyway. He's a good player. I don't think he's ever going to be a great player. I mean, I won't say 
I won't say that he won't be a good player because I think he will be. Um, yeah, no, I'm not saying he'll be. A, I think he'll be a good, solid NBA player, but he's never going to be yeah. a great player. Yeah, I mean, he's a. Uh, I think he's a pretty solid player. I, I really like what he can do on the court. The only problem is, will he or won't he? Will he be able to step up and do what needs to be done? That's that's the thing. Right, well, at about, some point, he's always been he's always been the guy on his teams. He's always been yeah, okay, this is the ball. This he's going to have to embrace the role. Got to become. He's got to become possibly the on that team, depending on how Kyle Kuzma plays. Like he's got to take a lesser role, and I don't know if his ego or his dad's ego will let him. Well, he may he may have to. Uh, find the cojones to uh, have a chat with his father and say, you know, yeah. okay, dad, you have got to stop with this nonsense of, uh, you know, that the other two are coming to play here and all this. We all know there's no way in hell that those other two are coming to the Lakers. It's not happening. Nobody even touched the one that they could have touched. Even for summer league, nobody touched him. And apparently yeah. the other one is, is even – all the other one wants to do is shoot threes, from what I understand. So, and from looking at their stats and their the big baller league there, or whatever that nonsense is, that went over like going. the proverbial fart in church, didn't it? Well, <laughs> how could it not? You've got, I mean, basically he made that league for his two kids to play, and so he could say that yeah. they were playing somewhere and winning. Yeah, but uh, well, that was pretty I'll tell much you what, Tim. Here's it. what we'll do. Let's go ahead, since we're talking all Lakers here in the first half hour, we're going to go ahead to my conversation with Eric Pincus from NBA TV. Let's hear what he has to say about the Lakers and what he thinks they're going to be able to do this season. And on the other side, we'll talk a little about the Ball family and what's going on with their kids and what do we think should be in store come next season for the Los Angeles Lakers or just talk about LeVar Ball and what his kids have been doing in the other leagues. Sound good? Fair enough. Fair enough, sir. Roll tape. All right. So here's my conversation with Eric Pincus. Joining me now on Wide Men Can't Jump is NBA capologist for B-Ball Insiders and NBA TV, lead Lakers writer for Bleacher Report and co-host of the Hollywood Hoops on ABPN Radio and NBN-Radio, Eric Pincus. Eric, dude, what is up? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. Glad to have you back. We had you on a while back, and um, now with the offseason, basically, for the for the most part, almost over we've got a lot to talk about especially when it comes to cap and the los angeles lakers um first things first lebron makes the jump over and the lakers team looks i won't say better than ever but much improved for the most part uh what's your impressions of lebron jumping over from a cap standpoint and from a lakers uh reporter standpoint well it's certainly going to change the job as as a reporter, I, I've been covering a team that has been pretty lousy for a few years, but I have experience covering Kobe, so I expect it'll be very similar because uh, Kobe was the biggest star in the game at the time, and LeBron's the biggest star right now. So 
Uh, from a cap perspective, the Lakers were very clear soon after LeBron signed what their strategy was. Uh, they didn't invest in anyone long-term uh, outside of a, a rookie or two. Uh, everybody they signed after, uh, Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, et cetera, all to one-year deals. So the Lakers are really serious about preserving that cap room for next summer. Uh, they're going to be in a position to get one more star. Uh, they're not going to have a, a ton of cap room. They're going to have enough if they get rid of Luol Deng. Uh, they may have to trade them. They may have to stretch them out. But if they get out of Luol Deng, they have enough. But a lot of teams are going to have a lot of spending power next summer. So there's going to be a lot of competition, but they're the only team with LeBron James. So they'll have at least some level of an advantage. Yeah, and it seemed like when they signed LeBron, they went in with the idea of, okay, we're probably not going to win a championship this year with this roster, but this will get our rookies ready, or our young guys, I should say, not really rookies anymore, but our young guys ready and teach them to learn how to play with LeBron, how Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, guys like that are going to play with LeBron. And then they sign everybody to one-year deals basically to kind of fill out and say, okay, these guys are going to help us get into the playoffs but they're not going to make that major push. But uh, who are some of the free agents that maybe next summer they're going to have a lot of cap space? Who are those guys that they're eyeing? I, you would think Clay Thompson. You would think Kawhi Leonard. But is there someone else out there that maybe the Lakers really like or Magic Johnson really wants that we're not talking about? Well, I'm not entirely sure your premise is that they don't believe that they can win this year. I mean, they, could, they may be unrealistic, but I think they have higher hopes than you do that the organization can do more that they want to see which of these kids can flourish. And they really believe in Kyle Kuzma. They believe in Ingram. Uh, they believe in ball. If he can stay healthy, which they hope he will, uh, they hope the knee injury isn't serious and, and that it's just a minor thing uh, that this team could compete immediately that they're they're Maybe they're not quite at the Warriors level, but I don't know if there's anyone the Lakers will look at and say, we're they're better than us. I think they, they probably believe they're the second best team in the league. Now, you and I might not agree with that. And I think a lot of people in the NBA, around the NBA, and analysts would not agree with that. Uh, but that's probably where they stand right now. And, and if you're going against the Warriors, you always have a shot. You don't know if someone gets hurt. You don't know if they crumble a little bit. Uh, they looked pretty vulnerable last year. So uh, we'll see. But as far as next year, the obvious target, I think, is probably starting with Kevin Durant. I think that's the first guy they want. The the it, it does two things. Obviously, you're getting one of the best players in the league, and then it also weakens the Warriors significantly. So there's an advantage there. Uh, obviously, that's questionable that KD would come, but they're going to be in a position to pay him if he is. Uh, Clay would also help because it does the same thing. I think KD's obviously a better player, uh, but those are the top two guys probably. And then Kawhi Leonard's certainly interesting. Uh, I think a fallback guy uh, would be Jimmy Butler. And then you can have additional fallback guys like uh, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is high on the list or Chris Middleton. Uh, there's a few other out there that I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting, Kemba Walker, et cetera. But I think KD is probably the top guy for those reasons. Well, I saw you've been reporting on uh, on Brandon Ingram. You know, you talked about him. You did a four-part uh, report on Brandon Ingram, and uh, we'll get to him in a second. But uh, if I'm asking you, you said the Lakers think they're a top two team in the league. You, as a reporter and as a guy who's around the league, 
where do you think they are? And I'll just say in the West, where, what do you think their seeding is? Because I, maybe, maybe it's just where I'm not close to the situation. I only have them capping out at the possible, possible highest for me was a five. Um, that's just my opinion. And I, I've stated that maybe I'm aiming low. I don't know, but I'm just seeing them as a five. What do you think? Well, I think people forget how good LeBron James is. His team last year wasn't very good, and the East wasn't very bad. I mean, they they dominated in the playoffs when it mattered, up until they got to the Warriors. And, yeah, they barely got by the Celtics. You could say that's not dominating. But ultimately, they, they were the best team in the East. And that was a team with guys like J.R. Smith and Kevin Love, who I like Kevin Love, but I, I'm not in love with Kevin Love. I think people forget how good LeBron James is. And I think a lot of people didn't really watch the Lakers last year or so and don't really know what their kids can do and don't really know what kind of players they are because they weren't very good. So what was the point? So I think there's a, a certain, there's a higher upside, I think, than five. I don't trust the Blazers. I, I don't think they're very good. I think they are good, but they're not very good. I don't, no, I, agree. I like the Jazz. I, I have the Blazers. I have the Blazers missing the playoffs, honestly. Right. I, I, I have don't, a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith in the Nuggets, believe it or not. I think the Isaiah Thomas just situation is going to work out. But again, that's just you know that's just one guy's opinion. Right. But out of all of those teams, who has the best player? And by far, it's going to be the Lakers. And so you look at the Nuggets. The Nuggets are, have been a poor defensive team for a number of years, and I don't see how they've gotten better defensively. I do think they're a very good team, and I think they'll make the playoffs. But I'm not sold on the Nuggets. I'm not sold on on. I mean, I think the Thunder will be better, but they barely made the playoffs last year. I'm not sold on the Wolves. They barely made the playoffs. You start going down the list, and the only teams that really make sense that you look at and say, yeah, these are the best teams are the Rockets and the Warriors. And beyond that, I don't see anybody else. You could argue the Jazz because they play defense. Uh, but, again, it's, it depends on how good Donovan Mitchell is. Outside of Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, I'm not really in love with that team either. So it, it, it's uh, – it's wide open. The best player in the league is LeBron James. So I'm going to say that the Lakers have the opportunity at least to compete with the Rockets, but are probably third best in the West. And if they have injuries and if they struggle and if the young players aren't as good as, as they're supposed to be, then yeah, sure. Five or six or whatever. Uh, but I think people are underestimating how good LeBron James is. And the, these players who they, they weren't getting great opportunities last year because they had to create everything for themselves. Now you've got LeBron James, and you're going to get wide-open shots the likes these young players have never seen before. Yeah, I mean, and of course, you look at the Western Conference last year, you know, the, the possibility the Wolves were the three seed when Butler went down with his injury, and possibly the Wolves underperformed when Butler went down. So, I mean, there's arguments to be made for all these teams because look how close it came down to the last game of the the regular season to see who made the playoffs, and the West was only separated yeah. by a handful of games. So, Really, there's about twelve, about twelve or thirteen teams in the West that are competing for eight playoff spots. So it's going to be very interesting. But um, one more question about the Lakers, and then maybe we'll switch a little, a little cap, have a little cap talk here. Uh, Brandon Ingram, you did the four part series on him, from what I'm seeing on your Twitter. Um, what are you thinking, Brandon Ingram should be? What should we expect from him this upcoming season, especially now with the addition of LeBron James? Uh, well, it, it's hard to say because you just don't know until um, the season gets going, right? And, and this is a young player who is really talented. He works really hard. One of the strengths of, of what he did last year 
was the Lakers gave him the ball and they said play point guard when when Lonzo was hurt and that was actually one of the best stretches that they played as a team. Uh, they went to Ingram at the end of uh, games and let him create sometimes very successfully, sometimes not so successfully. So some of that is going to go away because you're not going to give the ball to Ingram to make those decisions. You're going to give them to LeBron James and Ingram is going to have to play off of, of LeBron. So that's really the question. Is it going to curtail his development? I think to a degree it will. Uh, The question is how much. And then in the other areas of the game, catch and shoot um, playing off of LeBron, how much can, can Brandon Ingram thrive in that? I, I really think he's, uh, got the potential. I think LeBron wants him to be his Scottie Pippen, which is high praise, and, and you can argue it. Obviously, Ingram's defensive ability isn't close to where Pippen was in his career, but there's some potential there. So uh, I think that's the real wild card. I, there's a few, you could talk about you know Kuzma and his scoring, talk about Josh Hart and, and everything he does, and Lonzo maybe is a wild card because you just don't know if he's going to be able to shoot the ball consistently. I think he's a good fit. I think the one who could be impacted the most positively and negatively is Ingram. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of Lakers or former Lakers, I should say now, even though we, you know, we talked Lakers for a minute, I'm going to bring up Julius Randle, uh, the team he went to. They just signed Jaleel Okafor. And I saw on your uh, – you tweeted out that his cap is only – or his second year of his salary is only $50,000 guaranteed. Um, Actually, Julius his first Randall year. Goes, his first year, yeah. Oh, was the first year? First okay. year that's one, yeah, he's, he only has 50000 guaranteed in his first year. Second year is wow. the team option. So, yeah, he, he's, he's only he, – he may not even make that team. So, we'll have to wait and see. Go on, finish your question. <laughs> Well, basically what I'm saying is the Pelicans add Okafor and then they, they pick up Randall after they lose Cousins, but they looked better last season without Cousins. Are the Pelicans, uh, with the addition of Julius Randall, are they uh, a team that is building for the future, or do you think with the way their cap works out here that they're basically uh, they're going to have to fall off eventually, especially when Davis's contract is up? Well, this is one of the most interesting questions of – really where the NBA is going. We have next summer, right? We have 2019 and we'll see what happens if the Warriors stay together with KD and and all the various players that can leave and move around. But where teams are really looking and really focusing on besides that is the 2020 question of when Anthony Davis is up, where does he go? Does he stay? Uh, Can the Pelicans continue? They lost cousins, which I, I know, I know he wasn't there for the playoffs and you can argue they were better without him to a degree. Uh, but they also lost Rondo, who I thought was absolutely huge in what they did last year. Uh, it, it let Drew Holiday play more of a scoring role. It let him basically play shooting guard. And it just changed who they were. And I think they're going to miss those players. And I, I like Randall a lot. Uh, we'll see how that all fits together. But it needs to work. Because if it doesn't work, then I don't know how long Anthony Davis is going to be sticking around. And the Pelicans have to start to think about what do you do? Uh, are they going to be good enough? Are, is there a way to convince Anthony Davis to stick around? Getting um, cousins as they did was certainly a big step in that direction. And then he, then he left and he's gone. And so obviously there was an injury. So where is, is Anthony Davis on, on things? So I, I like Randall a lot, having covered him with the Lakers. There's some real pros to his game. There's some real cons to his game. Uh, curious to see how he fits in there, uh, and I think he'll do fine. He's playing for another contract, so 
Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, the Anthony Davis question is the big one. That, I don't know what's going to happen with that, and I think there's a real chance he leaves. And if the Pelicans are, are facing that prospect, do they get out of him earlier or do they wait till the last second and do they basically lose him for nothing, which would be a shame. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, next uh, next summer at least uh, as, as teams like the Brooklyn Nets and uh, the Lakers obviously are all going to make runs at players and there could be a major shift coming. Uh, but the offseason, you're a guy who studies numbers, you study the cap. Uh, in terms of salary cap issues, who do you think made the best moves? Who maybe made the worst moves in the off season to for their cap at least, or maybe to get better and and did or didn't? Uh, if that question makes sense mm-hmm. to you, sure. I mean, most teams it, there, there wasn't a lot of activity this summer. Uh, it was actually relatively quiet. Now there were a lot of little trades. Uh, and we had the free agents that signed where they signed. But by and large, teams uh, focused on per- basically preserving their cap space because next year uh, the cap climbs up a significant amount again. Uh, teams have a lot of money to spend by and large. So uh, as we talked about, the Lakers didn't spend a lot. Um, uh, teams just were so hesitant, and so many players took one-year deals. Most of the deals that happened, we saw Aaron Gordon sign a deal that was long. We saw the Bulls. But this was like a, a, a year where almost nothing happened, really, other than LeBron leaving Cleveland. Almost everybody basically maintained the status quo. And you see, like, the Nuggets made some trades. Well, what those trades were about were numbers. So it was a mat. They were, they were good trades because it, it got them out of the tax and it put them in a better position. I, I liked what the Nuggets did because they opted Jokic out, uh, Nikola Jokic, out of his contract. They could have just paid him uh, under $2 million and – Instead, they decided we'll opt you out, make you restricted, and then because you can't go anywhere, we'll pay you. They gave him the max. And that what that did is prevented him from being a free agent next year, being unrestricted, at which point he could have just left for nothing. So I thought the Nuggets did the right thing. Uh, they, they made some good moves. They gave up, I think, one first in the deal to make all that happen. Uh, but really, you look at the teams, the Nets are in an interesting position. They were very active. But all the moves were mostly one-year moves, mostly about protecting money for next season. So, man, so many teams are going to have money. And we're talking like the Nets could get up to like maybe $80 million or something insane. Uh, but that doesn't – just having cap room in and of itself isn't really a thing unless you have someone to spend it on. And, yeah, there are some good free agents, but are those free agents willing to go to Brooklyn? I don't know the answer to that. I, I know the Nets would like to think so, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's a time will tell kind of a kind of thing there. One last question for you, Eric, and then I'll let you go. Since you covered the Lakers extensively, and we talked a lot about them. Um, the whole speaking, looking at the whole league again, who's the team that you think, if you had to pick a winner in terms of the off season, who do you think won this NBA off season? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say other than Golden State because they did get them arguably one of the top five centers in a league to go with a championship team. So excluding them, um, who do you think – give me two teams that you would say were the winners okay. in the NBA offseason. Huh. Interesting. Well, so the, w- nothing really changed with the Warriors because they were already the favorite, right? Uh, and then the next teams yeah. that are favorites after that are the Rockets, and they got Carmelo Anthony. I don't know if that's a great or not, losing Trevor Reza and Mahamute and not really rep- replacing that defense. The Lakers are the clear winner because suddenly they're going from being 
a lottery team to being a team that is somewhere in contention. Even if we accept your number five, that's still a huge improvement. But beyond that, it really, there was not a lot done. What really happened? I mean, the top free agents, Chris Paul stayed, uh, Paul George stayed. You know, I mean, so you could argue that the next, next winner is probably the Thunder because a small market team like OKC was able to keep one of the prized free agents. Uh, and they did so while investing heavily in a lot of players like Jeremy Grant. And they found a trade that got out of Carmelo Anthony that landed them Dennis Schroeder, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he's a solid enough player that he'll help them. So I, I would probably say the Thunder, and, and I, we didn't really talk about them much as far as where they are in the top eight. I think they're a top four team. I just don't know how high. Maybe they're the third best team. Maybe if, maybe if the Lakers aren't three, maybe it's because the Thunder are three and the Lakers are four or five, as you suggested. Yeah. Um, yeah, another team I would throw in there with that, I think the Indiana Pacers really improved a lot in the offseason. I uh, really liked some of the additions they made uh, bringing in. Um, they brought – my, now I'm drawing a blank on who they brought in, but they did make some good signings. Tyreek Evans uh, and a few others. Yeah, Tyreek Evans was an addition they made, and yeah, you know, I just think they they got better, and they were already a team that was a five seed in the East last year and took Cleveland to seven. I think that they, uh, I think Indiana could be a really tough team next season. I, I like what they did in the off season. I, I, I know they made more additions than that, and I hate that I'm blanking right now, but they, oh, they to me they. They were definitely uh, a winner too, but I do like uh, you know the Lakers clearly, and uh, OKC was a good one. I think the Rockets actually got worse, losing a reason, bringing in a guy who's going to slow the ball down like Carmelo Anthony in a high-paced offense like that. So, but time will Very tell. Possibly on so. that. Yep, absolutely. Well, Eric, good, good point. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. I I appreciate you coming on with me and giving me uh, some time here and. Uh, we had to work really hard to make this work out here, but I'm glad we fi- finally yes, made sir. it work. Um, All right, Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you at on Twitter, where they can check you out. And, uh, yeah, because I know that uh, I follow you, and I and they need to as well, because you're the man when it comes to the Lakers and to anything NBA cat space. Uh, well, I'm at E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S on Twitter. That's Eric Pincus. And, of course, you can follow me there. I like to respond to, to replies, and uh, I'm on Bleacher Report. Uh, basketball Insiders and I do every Tuesday the Basketball Insiders, sorry, the Hollywood Hoops podcast, uh, which also airs on Dash Radio on Wednesdays. There you go. Thanks, Eric, for jumping on with us, and uh, we hope to have you back sooner rather than later, man. All right, anytime. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Eric Pincus from NBA TV as well as B-Ball Insiders and Bleacher Report. What do you think, Tim? It was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, a little bit of a tiny look behind the curtain there at the uh, Lakers. Um, I'm going to have to say, though, and I mean, I, as you said, you're only one guy. It's only one opinion. Uh, I, I, I sensed a, a tad bit of uh, maybe it's because they've been so bad for a while, and the Lakers aren't used to being bad. 
um, a lot of optimism there in L.A. that everything is going to just work out smashingly there. Um, yeah. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I yeah, mean, there's a lot granted, of I mean, well, and, and granted, I mean, okay, LeBron James, fine. But we all know what, what happens to the teams when he goes there. Uh, somebody's not going to like LeBron. LeBron's not going to like somebody else. It's going to happen. He's going to want, um, or at least he has in the past anyway, he's wanted certain players. He doesn't like certain coaches. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like that. He tries to, or doesn't try, he succeeds to kind of become the de facto coach slash general manager of some of the teams he's played <laughs> on. Um He does. And I didn't really hear a mention of that. It was kind of like, well, no, our uh, our young players are all pretty good, and they're all just going to, you know, not fit in. But, like, there was no mention. Of, you know, like, it was just, okay, They nobody really knows how good our, our young players are, and with LeBron, they're just going to be that much better, and we're going to be that much better. And I don't know that that's a guarantee or not. I mean, it's likely, but I don't I don't see them as being – I mean, yeah, they're going to be better than they were last year, but big deal. You know, we're back to the <laughs> we're back to the uh, Al Bundy analogy. Um, <laughs> it's a favorite of yours, as of late. Yeah, it's a favorite of mine because it, it because it holds true. I mean, all right, so they, they they're probably going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's a question. No, I, I'm but, pretty I mean, sure that that's a universal agreement. Yeah, I mean, his his optimism though was that really they were. They were probably a three, and maybe more. And yeah, that, I, I thought it was overly optimistic. But then again, the man covers them, so he's got some insight that I maybe don't. But I, I just don't see it being all roses over there quite that quick. I would think they would need at least one more year to work out who he's going to be able to play with, who he can't play with. There's going to be, as I said, some personality clashes there I would think because there always has been in the past and uh, and then I'll see uh, I, yeah I don't have them going anywhere near the promised land next year or this year I mean Just I, I will say I will say this with one year um, to figure everything out um, most of those players only have one year contracts um, I still maintain that the the Lakers know they're not going to win a title this year. I maintain that they're playing for the cap space and next I, year. Yeah, and I'm, and, I'm sticking with and that. And I thought those those were the purpose of those one year contracts was in case we have to move people. Well, that too. I mean, if you got to move somebody, you're going to be able to move, uh, especially to a team like a Brooklyn or someone of that nature, or any team that's losing players next year and it's not very good, they'll take those expiring deals to clear yeah, cap space. We, we've only got – the only guys we've got signed to any amount of time, as he as he mentioned, were their young guys. And, okay, and that's logical. But everybody yeah. else, as, as he mentioned, is on a one-year. And that may not just be for cap space. That may be for, okay, we you don't fit. And and or if you want to play here, okay, well you're going to have to sign for this amount because it's all we can give you. you know, that gotta, that's true too. You um, know that this is you got to fit in under the LeBron James rules, whatever they may be. Well, next season is going to be the telltale off season, as uh, Eric and I discussed, and he he pointed out a lot of moves, and we talked a little bit about the Pelicans and uh, 
talked a little bit. He mentioned the Thunder and the Rockets a little bit. Um, we have the benefit of knowing that Carmelo Anthony is going to sign that deal to make it to Houston. Um, you want to hear a fun little uh, factoid I picked up from Twitter? Sure, fire away. Okay, well, I'll give a shout-out to our buddy Lance Smith, who's uh, been on the show before. He's a uh, he's a, a friend of the show, I would say. Lance Smith, uh, he's the writer, editor, NBA point center, the Warriors analysis guy. Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins, Carmelo Anthony, and Isaiah Thomas combined salary. Do you know who makes more money than all those players combined? It must be LeBron. No, oh well, I mean, yeah, but do you know? Oh, I'll I'll, oh, 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 wait till know. you hear. Wait, hold on. Wait till you hear this name. Wait till you hear this name. If you don't count the money that Melo took on the buyout from the Hawks, this is just the two million he's getting from the Rockets. Next year, one player will make twenty-four point one million dollars for the Memphis Grizzlies, and that's Chandler Parsons. <laughs> well, I was going Think to ask you on a, rela- on a related note, how did, because I don't know, how did the Lakers get stuck with the Deng contract? How did that happen? They signed Luol Deng a while back, um, and they signed him to like, you remember the Mozgov? Uh, signing. Well, he wasn't half. He wasn't half bad in Chicago, correct? No, no, he wasn't. It's just. Let, I'll, I'll take a look at the salary cap breakdown. He signed. A, he signed a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal. Well, uh, when you, when you look at, at the when you look at the Lakers roster, and you look at what they're paying people, they're really only paying two guys, him and LeBron. Everybody else yeah. is making peanuts. Well. Lou Aldang signed a four-year, $72 million contract with the Lakers, including 72, it was $72 million guaranteed, an annual base salary of $18 million a year. Who was the general uh, manager that let that happen? <laughs> you know, that's a hell of a question. Because uh, Lou Aldang signed that contract. Um, you know, he was making... He was making ten million dollars. Was he already not like in his thirties at that point? He was thirty-one, thirty-one years old when he signed that contract. Okay, so somebody fell asleep at the helm because that's clearly happened. You don't Um, don't sign a guy who's of average ability to to that kind of deal. Holy! And he still got two years left. That wasn't Genie Bus by some chance, was it? It may have been Magic. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Well, if it was magic, then then I have to the, the myth of magic is is, is exactly that because I don't care what he does. I mean, sign him. Okay, he okay. Sign it him. was uh, he gets it was not magic. It was not magic. It was Rob Palinka, and then Mitch Kupchak took over in February. Uh, uh, but or Mitch, Mitch I would Kupchak have to assume that Mitch Mitch Kupchak was the one who signed him. Okay, and then I Rob Palinka February. That ownership had to have signed off on that. Oh, I'm sure they did. Which Lou Aldang's not a not a he he was old. Okay, but he's and yeah, but he's so year. he's so bad he played one he played one game last year and they want him gone and they want him off out of there. So he was what was the like is he hurt? I don't think so. It's just a bad contract. It's when the cap went okay, up but, so, but why doesn't uh, he play couple, then? 
beat the Again, hell out of me. He played one game last year, I believe, if I'm correct. They spent eighteen. They're willing to pay a guy eighteen million dollars to not play. I think they want their young players to get that to get that playing experience. Okay, but Jesus, you think at eighteen, you think at eighteen million dollars? Okay, we got to put him out there to show people he can do something, so we can move him. Nobody's going to take him as he grows rust on the bench or doesn't even dress or whatever the story is, which I don't really know. It just struck me as odd that that he would have been the highest paid player on the team last year, and he doesn't play. Let me see here. Uh, I'm going to dive into this here if I can get a look. Um, Well, I know I'm pretty sure that right now he is the second highest paid player on the team behind LeBron. LeBron makes $35 million, Deng makes eighteen, million, uh, Pope makes twelve, and everybody else on that team is making nothing compared to that. Rondo's making nine, and everybody else is in the, you know, four or five million range except for the ball's making seven. I mean, they have no okay. big-name paid players. Here is here's what I'm reading. A change in management with Magic Johnson in February 2007. Magic Johnson became the Lakers president of basketball operations. And as a result, Dang played his last meaningful minutes as a Laker. He missed the final 22 games of the season after being shut down in March to give the majority of playing time to the team's younger players. He made a substitute start on opening night in the 2017-18 season before being essentially deactivated for the whole season. It was mutually decided between Dang and Luke Walton that it would be best, the best road for him rather than playing meaningless garbage time minutes every game. So basically, what we're looking at here is a guy who got shut down because it's better for his career at his age. He needs to go play for a real contender, and I guess they don't see him fitting into the equation here. I guess LeBron doesn't want him to play with them. That's a, that sounds to so, me like Lowell, Lowell Deng, who's 33, but has two years left on this deal, if I'm correct. Was smart enough to go screw. He was smart enough to go screw this. I am not going to go out there and play garbage minutes and risk the chance of getting hurt. Screw it. I'm taking my eighteen million dollars and I'm going home. Well, I mean, the Lakers agreed and wanted him and, to. Apparently, and they seem to be yeah, and they seem to be okay with that. Which I don't know about you. Well, I guess the owners, the Lakers, are privately owned, so it doesn't matter. But. Look look at it this way. If the Minnesota Timberwolves were spending $36 million over the next two years on a guy who was not going to see the court and and they're not real good, would you not want the general manager's head in a rope for those? Well, they put the general manager's head in a rope. Okay, but now do something with this guy. They can't move him. Get him out of there. He can't. His contract is so bad that nobody will take him. It's an $18 million contract. I'm mean, so The NBA doesn't have a buyout, eh? They have a buyout, yes, but I don't think the Lakers are actually willing to buy out that contract. Because if they do, I think well, it's still the counting against they're, the cap. They're throwing $18 million. Well, it's counting anyway, so what's the difference? And there might be There might be a penalty. I'm not 100% on how the cap works in yes, terms of I don't of know buyout. for NBA either. Like I, I'm, I'm going back to what I know, which is hockey, which is that you would buy him out, and uh, even though you'd probably still take a percentage of his contract on the, you, you'd take a cap hit for some of it, 
it's better than taking it for 18. <laughs> I mean, they don't have another guy on the team making anywhere near that much money. What are they going to do? What are they going to do if they can't move them? And next year, well, that means they're not getting anybody else because they can't. Hmm. I'm actually looking. Uh, I'm actually looking online here to see why. Uh, There's got to be a way out of that. Out. That they just don't either don't want to take it. Or it's or the financial advantage is so small that it's too much trouble, or there's some kind of something down the road that bites them on the ass, or something along those lines. Or you think you just, I mean, I just don't see any point in it. I mean, it's not like the guy's hmm. making, you know, apparently you know, million dollars. Apparently, what he's doing is the Lakers have apparently offered to buy him out. He has declined. Because he knows that he wouldn't, he wouldn't make as much money if he took the buyout. Oh, see, Lowell, see, Lowell Ding went to Duke. Coach, Coach he Day, he told Ding, you make sure you get your money. Don't let those boys do you wrong. Smart man. They signed him to that contract. If they don't want to live up to it, then they, they, to me they have two options. They can either, they can either pay him or move him. I, I don't know well, that I would go for a buyout either if it meant a significantly less amount of money. I yeah, he, going, if he no, took the buyout, apparently if he takes the buyout, he's uh, he's not going to get the full $36 million that's left. And he would have to go play somewhere else, and he wouldn't make anywhere near the money he was going to make. So what he's doing, essentially, is looking at the Lakers and saying, I'm going to ride out this contract for two years and take my 32 or what, 30. Thirty-six million dollars. Thirty-six well, million. Not, and folks, that's guaranteed. Thirty-six yeah, million dollars. He's not hurt. He's not damaged no, goods. Any no, of that. So it's not like they can even use that for an excuse. So yeah, like in the he NHL, wanna, he wants to accept his money. He wants to get yeah, his well, money. I don't blame him. Play for it. I don't blame him a bit. Yeah. No. See, in the, in the NHL, he would develop a, an injury that nobody could quite figure out, and they'd put him on uh, LTR. Or LTIR, and they still got to pay you, but it doesn't count towards cap. That happens in the NHL to aging players quite a bit. They develop uh, back injuries that nobody can quite, <laughs> quite figure yeah. out, and they they have to go on long term injury. And uh, can't be diagnosed. You can only do it for, yeah, yeah, but you can only and you can only do it for two or three guys. But it gives them a way out of some of those contracts that, you know, somebody has to question how that ever got signed. I think it'd be interesting to go back and look at uh, if a guy could find some articles about when that happened and what the consensus was at that time on whether that was a good move or if it was, you know, the Lakers weren't very good. So people saw that as a move worth making or if somebody had the had the foresight to see that that wasn't going to work out. Well, this was when they they wanted the the youth movement with uh, this is after Kobe retired. They wanted to bring Dang in. And they brought in Timothy Mozgov, and they signed. Or this is when they drafted Ingram. They had Randall. They wanted to mix veterans with younger players. They had, I think Brooke Lopez was still there at the time, and they had some players. But the main thing was it just didn't work out, and the contracts were so inflated because the cap had went up 
That was when they paid Mozgov $72 million over four years, and now Dane got $72 million over four years. And these are just horrid, horrid contracts. They were able to move the Mozgov one. With, well, uh, I suppose to the trade for, uh, They saw. traded D'Angelo Russell. They traded D'Angelo Russell and Mozgov at that time. So who yeah, knows? Nobody would, that have, dang nobody would have expected four years ago either that LeBron James was headed to the Lakers either. Yeah, that's true. You know, the situation that they find themselves in now would be something that I don't think anybody would have run as a scenario four years ago, probably. Probably not. So that's the main deal with Dang, if I can say that. Uh, That's the the issue. Well, I would just like to to say that it doesn't really matter because the Los Angeles Lakers have got Moritz Wagner, the greatest player in Michigan history, and uh, (laughs) that's all they need. Oh God! Don't get me started. Go on Michigan. Go Michigan. <laughs> well, it's another one point. It's another one point seven million dollars that I sort of got to wonder why they bothered spending. I mean, I guess you got to have somebody on the team, but I just don't see how he fits in. New Wagner. Yeah. Eh, take a chance on a rookie. Million dollars in the NBA is nothing. Not when you're paying a guy yeah, that doesn't he, play. He, the only way he's seeing the only way he's seeing the court though is if he switches positions, or Kyle Kuzma goes down. Otherwise, he's not playing. So, yeah, he's gonna play. I think he'll play a little bit because the main oh, he'll see some, center he'll see some he'll Javale see some McGee. Business, I'm sure. I don't. No, I think he'll. I think he'll be in the rotation. I really do. Well, I suppose they could throw him. I guess he could play center, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he's a good stretch five. LeBron loves guys like that. Channing Fry flourished with LeBron in Cleveland playing that way. I think Wagner, okay, well, he can a, knock down Here's another jump question, shot. then. Here's another question I'll ask you, which I know it's something that they don't normally do. Okay. During the exhibition, during the exhibition games. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is, 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 he gonna, is James going to play? Are they going to throw him out there with different guys and see what they got, or are they going to wait till the season? Preseason, starts? or are they going to find, or are they going to find that out uh, during camp in that way? Uh, I'm sure he'll play, but it won't be anything meaningful. You know, he might play a little bit, but I don't think he's going to play a lot. Uh, you're going to have I, I more. I mean, in a sense of okay, let's put him out there with. All right, we're going to throw Ball, Kuzma, uh, Wagner. Uh, LeBron and whoever else, uh, Ingram, I guess. Let's Wagner, that's what we're you Canadian asshole. He, it's Wagner. <laughs> Wagner. He's only, a Germ- he's only a German when he's in Germany, my friend. Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> Have a schnitzel and shut up. It's Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> Wagner. How's that? Is that better? That was better. I really, I, I, I felt, call him Herr, Herr Wagner. I felt, Is that all right? I felt. I felt the anti-Semitism in that one. That was good. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Regardless, uh, the, are they going to throw them out there and go, okay, how, how comfortable is he with this group? You know, sure in minutes will. that okay I mean, are not meaningful, but they're more meaningful than a than than a squad uh, game. Well, they'll figure out in practice what lineups work, what lineups don't, and then they'll translate them to the court and well, see who fits in what scheme. <laughs> really, they won't figure out anything. LeBron will tell them. <laughs> no, when I say figure I will out, play, that's what I'm 
I will play with the following four guys, and uh, I'll let you know during the timeouts how things are going. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get. Who's the coach? Oh, oh Luke, Luke Walton. Does Luke Walton yeah. survive the season? Luke Walton's a very laid-back coach. I think LeBron going to Luke Walton, if LeBron wants to coach the team, Luke Walton, will, he won't be like Tyrone Lou and, and really look like it looks scared. Luke Walton will just sit back and go, hell, do it, man. Do your thing. I think he'll survive the season. I, th- I, I, really, have, I think Luke Walton is the kind of guy who's very laid back when the cameras are on him. I think Luke Walton won't have any problem behind the scenes saying, well, if you guys want LeBron to coach, uh, you can keep paying me and I'll go home. And uh, LeBron can coach a team if he wants to. Well, remember this. Uh, someone pointed this out to me a while back, and it's never been more true. When LeBron James is on a team, when you win, it's because of LeBron. When you lose, it's because everybody but LeBron. So well, always, always remember been that. that way. It's always, it's always been, been that, that way. way. It's always going to be that way. Tends to be that they way. Always though, lose most... because of everybody else, from the general manager down to the towel boy. But it's never LeBron. Well, I've never. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't follow basketball extremely close, but I don't think I have never heard him say. And if I have, if he has. I'd be happy somebody can tweet in the link or whatever. I'd be happy to admit I was wrong. I don't think I've ever seen him in an interview go, you know, I, just, I didn't play very good, and uh, we get beat. Well, I've seen him there usually the man tends to leave when he doesn't like the questions. There usually, yeah, there usually tends to be a litany of, of uh, I'll dodge that question. I might throw somebody else under the bus. Or you can tell by his body language, like I've seen him several times uh, in the last year's playoffs, just stand there. Like where he, yeah, he missed a yeah, bucket. We were keeping count last season when LeBron was playing, when the uh, Cavaliers were playing the Celtics. Me and a couple guys, when I was on vacation, were keeping count of how many times LeBron oh. took a play off. Uh, yeah, he does many, it quite defense. a bit. Oh, he does it a lot. If you ever he watch does it a lot LeBron, more than a guy of his stature should. Follow LeBron with your eyes when he's on defense. You will see that man take more plays off than on defense than he plays. Now, if if somebody's running down the court to lay the ball up and try to, uh, to or to do anything like that, he will run his heart out to get that that block for TV. If he's got a big star in front of him. One-on-one isolation, he's up for it. He's game. But if he goes in and he's just doing a switch onto somebody he doesn't think is on his level, he'll stand there. And I saw Terry Rozier get open several times in the playoffs I've because seen LeBron several times where he he would attempt a shot or or a layup or a dunk or whatever, and he he thought he got fouled or knocked down or whatever, and he'd lay there, he'd get up, take four steps. Nobody on the on TV. Nobody says a word. Then somebody would uh, uh, Cleveland would get the ball back, and somebody would hail Mary him a pass, and he'd he'd dunk it. And then all you'd hear is, "Oh, LeBron James! Oh, that's 52 points for James! What a game he's having!" But nobody would mention the fact that if anybody else played defense like that, and he is a good defensive player when he wants to be, he doesn't want to do it very often. 
Like most superstars, I suppose. A lot of them are lazy when they don't have the well, ball. Yeah, I mean, he's not the only one that that's going to do that. Um, it's part, and I'm it's not the hardest part of the game, right? You know, we've talked a lot more about LeBron than I think we've ever talked about LeBron on this show. We've we've really went well, in depth. I mean, I, I, like I said, I never deny the guy the talent. No, he's got that. talent. Best he's player got in the tons world. of talent, but he there's some other things about him that uh, like not and not to get into this too far either because it's a little bit on the political side. I was reading that this whole school thing. That's not yeah. quite uh, you know LeBron pays for everything. That's not quite true either. Apparently, the state there is picking up the, most of the tab. See, he initially funded it. And he's paying for the college end. And I won't take, I'm not, that's not to take any thunder away from him because he didn't have to do anything. So whatever he yeah. did was better than nothing, certainly. But the media has made that sound like, you know, he he built the school, he pays for everything right down to the last pencil. But that that is not the case. So, you know, hmm. let's, let's not kid ourselves. LeBron is, is quietly, but slowly but surely, setting himself up for a life when he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. Or when he can't, or when he retires, or or whatever happens there, but he wants to be. I'm quite sure he he leans to wanting to be a movie star. I I think, or in that oh, yeah, business does. any or in that business anyway. So he's going for public image as hard as he can. And man, I mean, he scored a lot of points with that thing, and he should score some anyway because I said he didn't have to do anything. So. But let, let's not let's not forget that there's way more to that story than what you get to hear on the front page of, you know, Yahoo Sports or ESPN or any of that, because all the story oh, was well. LeBron LeBron builds school, and, and but of course, you know, there's way more to it. One one thing about him before we move off the subject, or about the Lakers at least, what do you think about Eric's uh, idea that you could see a Lakers team featuring Kevin Durant next season if he decides to leave the Warriors and go join up with LeBron. Can you imagine LeBron and Kevin Durant on the same team? No, but I, I also can't I can't imagine them playing on the same team. Not enough basketball to go around if you ask me. That is would be my theory is who who's who's going to be the dog there? Who's going to be top man? Because Kevin Durant certainly well, is not going to uh, take the back seat to LeBron James. Whether he's better or not, that's open for debate. I don't know. But I don't see that's a whole lot of ego, and that ball's not, as you say, that ball's not very big. So. Oh yeah, not enough, not enough basketball. And nobody, around, nobody but, uh, he doesn't like. I could see somebody going there. Like, okay, if he hadn't won anything, all right, then maybe yeah. he signs the shit deal for one year and goes there to win. But he doesn't need to do that. So. Well, according to uh, according to what the Warriors general manager is saying. Um, they are they are definitely going to throw the the purse at Durant. He they are willing well, to give become, him anything. That's become his team really in a way. I mean Steph Curry's Steph Curry. But yeah. but I think I mean in my opinion anyway that he's kind of become the the uh face of that team really in my opinion yeah. anyway. So He really has he's become not? the uh He's become the guy that they look to, and in times of, of crisis, really, he's the guy that, that uh, he's been finals MVP two years running now, and Curry's been injured. Thompson's played he's well, hurt, but... 
he has his moments and then he has his non-moments. And Mr. Durand yeah. is like a, or at least the last few years anyway, has been like a well-oiled machine that just keeps getting it done. <laughs> well, he's seven foot tall and he can shoot the three and he can drive. What do you do? Doesn't, you know? He doesn't appear to take very many nights off either from what I've seen. He, he really does. He shows up. Um, he shows up most speak, nights. Speaking of not taking any nights off, Tim, let's hear from our other sponsor. They never take a night off. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to WowFreeCam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on WowFreeCam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You motorboat, son of a bitch, you old sailor, you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at wowfreecam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. That's right. Wow Free Cam doesn't take a night off, but they'll help you take a load off. So check them out. Show them some love. Our gracious sponsors, wowfreecam.com and the law offices of Stephen P. New. Tim, you still there, buddy? I'm still here, big man. All right. Well, we're glad you're still here, but, uh, you know, we've talked about the Lakers a lot, but another team that I mentioned when talking to Eric about the Lakers was the Denver Nuggets, who I've been very high on this offseason, really like the Isaiah Thomas edition. I had a chance to sit down and talk with TJ McBride of the Denver Nuggets. Last week I I teased that uh, we are going to talk about a team we had never talked about before, and the Denver Nuggets – We've never really sat down and talked with an expert on the Nuggets. So TJ McBride and I had a long conversation about the Denver Nuggets, and Tim and I will be back right after this conversation that I had with TJ McBride. So uh, we'll see you on the other side. Joining me right now on Wide Men Can't Jump is Nuggets editor and beat writer for At Mile High Sports and the host of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, TJ McBride for everything Denver Nuggets. TJ, what's up, man? Not too much, man. I'm happy to finally get in here and be talking with you. It took a little while for us to get the time together, but it finally worked out. Hey, all good things you must wait, and... uh we're really excited to talk about a team that I think is going to be exciting this season in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets. Um, they were, I'm a T-Wolves fan, so I'll just warn you up front. Sorry about the last game of the regular season, but, you know, we had that long playoff drought, so 
I think, yeah, I think we deserve the whole it. Nug Life thing, but Frozen Hell was a little bit more intense than any of the Nug Life that Nuggets fans have been enduring recently. So if there was one <laughs> team to lose to, if there was anybody that deserved it, to see the Timberwolves fans finally get that was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Uh, trust me, it felt very, very good. And, and getting in was just, eh, well, here, go play the Rockets now, punks. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> either way. It was a great it was a great uh year for the Nuggets and T Wolves. They had close games every time they played all season, great matchups. Um just really love the rivalry there. The little and it's kind of an under the radar rivalry they had this past season. And then it goes to overtime to see who's going to the playoffs. Comes down to the very last game of the season and lo and behold they're playing each other. Uh couldn't have scripted it any better than that. Thought thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, especially because you have two young big men and Nikola Jokic and Carl Anthony Towns going after each other. You have the guy – I mean, Jimmy Butler, for some reason, has always had a thing where he just wants to annihilate the Nuggets. And just to see that kind of all unfold in one dramatic play-in game like that, I mean, it's hard not to enjoy yourself as a fan of basketball at that point. I don't know. For me, I was never about the whole idea of a play-in series like they were talking about for a new playoff setting. But after watching that play-in game and watching how exciting that was, I I had too much fun with that. Yeah, I'm almost okay with it. I think if we take eight and nine and just make them do the one-game play-in, and uh, I think that could be really fun and kind of give it more of an NCAA tournament vibe thing there. You know, hey, baseball can do it. Uh, why can't the NBA? I I really enjoyed it. I I think that and ratings for that game were sky high. Had to be the highest ratings either team had all season. Yeah, they had to be. And for two teams, especially teams that were smaller markets like the Nuggets and the Timberwolves, to be able to have an opportunity to be put in the limelight like that, even if you are at the back end of the playoffs, that's a really helpful thing for the NBA and for just the overall organizations because they don't get that kind of play nationally. And on top of that, the the NBA as an organization, they really want to have lots of competition in the lower ends of the playoffs. Everybody knows the Warriors are going to be the Warriors, the Rockets are going to be the Rockets, but to have these enticing matchups, like an 8-9 matchup like we're talking about right now, even like the 5-6 yeah. matchups that have been great these past few years, that's a really, really good thing to see, which is why I think the playing would be awesome. That's something I've been advocating for as much as I can. I really like that idea. Yeah, I'm really starting to get behind it, too. Normally, I wouldn't be as gung-ho for it, but last season kind of changed my mind, so made things really interesting, but... uh Let's talk a little bit about the Nuggets now. Um, I really think they had a good offseason, especially with the additions of uh, Isaiah Thomas to their team. Um, A lot of people are kind of questioning Isaiah, but uh, most people that know the game are looking at him and going, you know what, this dude's motivated. He is unapologetic for being himself. He doesn't think he was given a fair shake in Cleveland or in L.A. Kind of bitter about Boston, kind of, pulling the rug out from under him as he was considered a uh, a big deal up in Boston. Uh, what is things looking for in Isaiah Thomas in Denver? What is his mindset heading into this season? He just wants to prove himself again. He's at the point where 
he has always had to prove himself, and he's just accepting that as his reality for basically the rest of his career. He's coming into Denver just ready to show the world that he can still get buckets like he always has, that he can still be explosive even after these hip injuries, showing that he can be a good teammate as well. I think that will be the most important part of this year is how he is as a mentor, how he is as a teammate, because he's never been a bad teammate, but he's an intense individual regardless, and that can tend to rub certain personalities the wrong way, which happened in Cleveland and in Los Angeles. The one thing is that at this point, nobody else offered him a contract. It was only Denver. He's really kind of fighting for his basketball life at this point. So any kind of idea that he could be a negative in the locker room could be very damning for him next year when he goes to look for another contract out there because if he has that stigma and he's been hurting and he's aging and he's diminutive as he is it's really hard to put your faith in a guy like that but if he comes out and is a good teammate buys into his bench role and just produces that's going to be really big for Denver and really big for him there's so much to gain in the scenario for both parties as long as they both just buy in it's just going to be interesting to see if Isaiah will be happy with just 18 minutes a night, potentially every once in a while. It's going to be a really, really interesting scenario. So you don't think Isaiah is going to be starting this season for Denver? Maybe not right out, but eventually you don't think he'll win the starting job? Oh, no, he's not going to be starting whatsoever unless someone like, like an injury happens. If he ends up starting and Jamal Murray is healthy, that would be a massive surprise for everybody involved. I mean, they've already reported that the communication between Isaiah Thomas and the Nuggets front office and Michael Malone has been con- exactly about him taking this bench role, for him to focus on nothing but playing off the bench and them saying that Jamal Murray is the unquestioned point guard. I've heard that through Woj's reporting. I've heard that through my own reporting reporting it just is one of those things where the Nuggets are not willing to mortgage their future with Jamal Murray to start Isaiah Thomas for one year when he'll likely be gone after the season anyway okay well that's that's something that that I'm glad you brought to to us here on the show because honestly I thought that that Murray would move to the two and Isaiah would take the start but that's a very interesting role but since you brought up Jamal Murray, what are some things they're lo- the Nuggets are looking for for Jamal Murray this season? As uh, you know, he had he's had a very good couple, uh, very good season last season, and uh, what are they looking for him to do next year? I think the big thing for him is just figuring out how to defend the point of attack better than he already has. Because at this point, he has not been a good defender in any capacity. First Synergy, which is a database that essentially just tracks every single possession. He was in the bottom 10% of all defenders in basketball. He's just not the kind of guy that you can rely on at the point of attack right now. And, yes, Nikola Jokic is a bad defender, but you're exponentially making it more difficult for him when opposing guards are just getting a straight-line drive at him. So Jamal Murray needs to find a way to at least become – serviceable defensively. That's the biggest thing for him this year. Everybody knows he can light it up. Everybody knows he's a flamethrower of a shooter. Everybody knows that he has just the mental makeup of a crazy person to where he has all the work ethic and he has all the intensity. He just is not a good defender at this point. And for Denver to ever reach any kind of top four seed aspirations on a consistent basis, he needs to be a significantly better defender, in my opinion. Well, Denver's... um... Made some, they they picked picked up Thomas. They picked up some very good um, some rookies, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But one departure for Denver in this off season was Wilson Chandler. They gave up Chandler and uh, I believe a second round pick just to save some 
some cash on the cap. Um, did you like the move to get rid of Chandler and go with Will Barton instead? I, I looked at the numbers. They're both very similar players. Um, what was the decision for Denver there getting rid of Chandler for, to Philly for basically nothing? Chandler was been, has been trying to get out of Denver for a while just because he was ready for a new, a new change. He's, He's one of the few holdovers that goes back to the George Carl era when they won 57 games and just ran and ran and ran, and he was able to play a small ball style. And that isn't what this is anymore with the Nuggets. They just aren't that kind of team anymore. And for him, he felt like he was slightly marginalized in the offense because he was. He became the fifth option on the team. He was not really a guy that you were throwing the ball to in the post and saying go or giving the ball to him on the wing and just saying go. He had to just fit a role at that point, and the Nuggets needed to save the money. So it makes sense to allow him to go because with Will Barton in the lineup, they are incredible. Um, It's a small sample size, but the starters with Will Barton in instead of Wilson Chandler are a plus 32.7 per hundred possessions. They are like astronomically great with him in a small sample size. And for me, I think they're very different players. You can get playmaking in the pick and roll out of Will Barton. Will Barton can get to a shot whenever he needs to. He's one of the best finishers on the team. And last year, he really was the emotional leader of that team at the same time. Wilson Chandler, while he was a good guy, and there was never any problems internally where he was a locker room issue, he was a very, very quiet individual. So I think you're going to have a lot more of an intensity out of the starters, having Will Barton in there. And I think it's going to be very good if they let Wilson Chandler go to Philly because they did right by him to do that. They've been trying to move on from him for about two years now and never found the deal worthy of it. So I think this is the right deal for both parties involved. And I don't think the Nuggets are going to see a big step backwards in any way next year. Yeah. And uh, I think Philly got a good deal out of it to, to pick up some wing presence there. Chandler's a good player, but you're right. Sometimes situations just don't pan out and you got to move on. A few more questions for you, TJ, while I've got you here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, But I did want to bring up Paul Millsab, and you brought up Jokic earlier, the the four and five position for Denver. Uh, Both very good, very dominant players at their position with great skill sets. And um, me personally, I predicted that the Nuggets would actually finish as a top five seed this season. I think they'll have a better record than the Lakers. Uh, I'm calling that. You heard it here first. Nuggets will finish higher than the Lakers this season in the postseason. So take that for what it's worth. But uh, Nokic, Millsap, uh, they seem to play well together. Is they're looking for more of the same next season? Yeah, it's hard not to be excited about what those two can provide for you together. The versatility that they have in the front court is just out of this world because you have two guys who can pass very well. You have two great rebounders, two great scorers, two guys that you can just throw the ball into and they can get you a bucket when you need it. So to have them together is going to be a very, very good thing for Denver because last year it took a few games for them to get their rhythm, but right after they got their rhythm is when Paul Millsap went down with that wrist injury that sidelined them for 44 games last year. So they were never able to develop their full level of chemistry. And when, when Millsap finally came back, he wasn't 100%. He still isn't 100%. They said it could be up to a year from the injury before he's got all of his range of motion back. He'll be a fine player. He'll be able to play. But he won't be at a point to where he can absolutely do 
do everything he was able to do with his wrist prior to the injury. So at this point, having him come back healthy, having Nikola Jokic and him have time to develop this chemistry, having a year under their belt of just getting used to each other as people and how they play together on the court, I think it's going to be very good. And I think you're going to see the Nuggets have probably one of the most versatile front courts in the NBA outside of like a Kevin Durant and Draymond Green kind of front court. And that is going to be what the Nuggets fall back on. That is their bread and butter. That is going to be the tandem that gets them to the playoffs. That's why they brought Paul Millsap into Denver and paid him $30 million. This is what they are waiting to do is to get into the playoffs based on their front court of Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, and Millsap is one of my favorite non-wolves in the league. I've always loved his game. We we were trying to sign him there a few years ago, but you guys were able to, to steal him, so we paid you back and knocked you out of the playoffs, you bastards. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but another big coup for the Nuggets, and at least in my opinion, uh, Michael Porter Jr. falls in the draft. They land him at 14. They also grab Jared Vanderbilt later on. What are some things that – will Porter play this season is the real question. And uh, if if he does, uh, what is the team looking forward to seeing from him and possibly Vanderbilt this season? And if Porter doesn't play, what's the what do you think will happen with him? Will they just give him time to heal, or will they? Or what's their plan here? Their action plan. So he just had another back surgery. So they were already planning on doing that from what I understand from talking to Nuggets people. And now that the surgery is done, he's already shooting. He's already moving. It wasn't a very intense surgery of any kind. It was really just cleaning up the rest of the issues around his spine that they were having, that he originally had surgery on. Um, when it comes to if, if you will play or not, it really just depends on who you ask. If you talk to anybody in Michael Porter's camp, they're going to say that he is ready to go, going to play for sure. This is going to be a season where we can come out and show that he's healthy. But if you ask the Nuggets people, they're just going to be very vague and say they're going to be very, very careful with them. They're not going to try and rush him, which to me sounds a whole lot like they probably won't play him this year because they don't need to play him this year. They're in a position where their young core is already strong enough and they're already close close enough to the playoffs to where they don't need Michael Porter to give them a whole lot. So you see what's happened in Philly where Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have had redshirt freshman seasons. And when they get those rookie years off and they have a year to get acclimated to the speed of the NBA, to the travel schedule, to just being a professional athlete, that really allows them to come into their second season, their first playing season with the right mindset, knowing what to expect and prepared for what's to come. So if it was me, I would not be playing Michael Porter Jr. this year unless you get to a point to where he is fully healthy and he starts just blowing people out of the water at practice. And even if he does do that, they'll be in a playoff push at that point. Do you really want to try to incorporate a new person into the rotation when you're pushing for the playoffs? For me, I'm not so sure about that. So it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play all year, but if he does, it's because he just outplayed everybody around him and really forced the Nuggets' hand. When it comes to Jared Vanderbilt, I could not be more excited about him. The Nuggets really got a steal in this draft because Michael Porter Jr. could have been the top pick, and Jared Vanderbilt, according to Tim Connolly and a lot of other smart draft people, really think that he should have been a lottery talent if it wasn't for the foot injuries. In high school, he looked like Lamar Odom playmaking and moving with a, with a live dribble and playing as a guard at 6'9". The guy has an unbelievable skill set, and he broke most people's rebounding metrics last year. He corralled something like 23 and a half 
rebounds per 100 possessions, which is just an absurd number. If he would have qualified, his rebounding percentage led the nation by a large margin. Uh, I could not be more excited for the Nuggets draft this year because they don't need either of these guys to pan out now or even a couple years down the line, but the upside is just so insane in this draft that they could set themselves up for a real level of contention if both of these guys hit as well as they could and the rest of the core continues to develop the way that they have been. Yeah, I really like Vanderbilt, too, coming out of Kentucky. Um, as a guy who lives in West Virginia, I see a lot of Kentucky games, so uh, which most of the country probably does, but I really like Vanderbilt coming out yeah. this year. Uh, had him ranked pretty high in my mock draft as well. Uh, but Porter Jr., I was sitting there on draft night screaming. I was just like, why is everyone passing on this guy? <laughs> you know, the Knicks, I, Knox may turn out to be phenomenal, and that would be great for the Knicks. But if you're the Knicks at that time, why do you not take Michael Porter? You're not making the playoffs next year. Porzingis is hurt. If you set Porter Jr. next year, does that hurt you as the Knicks? I was stunned they didn't take him. Um, There was a lot. The Clippers, two picks back-to-back. I was surprised the Clippers didn't take him. They had back-to-back picks. You could take a flyer. Yeah, that that, I did not expect that at all. And the fact that Denver was able to name stunned by that I do I have heard some pretty scary things about his medical report and that's really where a lot of this came from was right before the draft knowing that his stock was falling his agent released a ton of medical info to all the teams from what I understand it was not very favorable and and I'm guessing I haven't seen it myself I'm guessing that In that medical report, it said that he was going to need surgery before the season started to clean up the rest of his back like it was planned to, and that scared a lot of teams away. When I start seeing a guy fall like that, I start thinking to myself, these NBA teams have significantly more information than I do. That makes me very, very nervous as to why all of these teams were passing on him. So there's got to be something that we don't know that allowed him to fall this much. There are rumors of him being a very – What's the correct term? His head is very large considering where he's at. I mean, he's always been the best that there's ever been around him. He's one of five players to be a Gatorade player um, player of the year, the Naismith player of the year, and the McDonald's All-American MVP. And that's one of those kinds of things where you see that once every 10 years. So when you're at a point like that and he's that good, you have to expect some level of an ego. But all of these things combined was enough for so many of these GMs to just refuse to draft him. And the Nuggets themselves, they really searched the market to see if there was somebody who wanted to trade for the 14th pick to grab Michael Porter Jr. And there was no trade out there that they thought was worthy enough of them to take that trade as opposed to taking a flyer on Michael Porter Jr. So it wasn't like they got him and within seconds they sent in their pick to take him. They also played the market and were seeing what was out there. So it's interesting to see how this has kind of played out, but there's, there's enough red flags about him for him to fall that far. Yeah, clearly something's up. Um, you don't see it. Maybe it's just because of the injury. Uh, back injuries seem to really cripple players in the NBA. You look at Larry Bird late in his career and, and others, but Porter Jr. being injured so early and needing another surgery may have scared teams. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on, as you said, that we're not sure about, but I think it was just, if you're the Nuggets, why not? I mean, you got Will Barton. 
and then you get Vanderbilt later, as you said. What a what a couple of steals there. Um, worst comes to worst, Porter just you know dresses nice, gets used to the game, and gets to hang out for a year. And uh, next year he can call himself a rookie and win Rookie of the Year. I mean, apparently that's what exactly. you can do now. Well, if you look at the history <laughs> of guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the history of guys. Look at how many guys have done that and came back strong. Embiid, uh, Simmons had a great year. You look at guys like Blake Griffin. Um, if Porter Jr. is able to come out, and let's say he does that, he takes a year off, could it possibly be something that even when they're not seriously hurt, the NBA looks at it or the organization will look at it and say, you know what? Maybe these one-and-done guys or guys that are really young, rookies coming in, maybe we should start doing a red shirt kind of thing, even if they're not hurt really bad or, you know, they, they don't want to play them. And maybe they will red shirt to allow them to develop quicker uh, and get used to the game and give them a year. Because maybe a team drafts somebody, let's just say, you know, the Warriors drafted Jacob Evans this year. They don't need him. What if he just takes the whole year off and they don't play him? It's. Uh, I'm thinking the NBA's coming to the point now where we're looking at there could be a redshirt system coming soon for the league. Well, I think that they're already ahead of the curve in that and took it a step further. And what they're going to be trying to do is just completely eliminate the need to have people go to college for one year, bring guys out of high school and have them go through one year in the G League or something like that to redshirt. I think you're going to see a lot of that idea that you just spelled out playing out for when they do allow high schoolers into the draft come 2021 or 2022. And then they'll be able to have what Josh Kroenke wanted them to do when they had their owners meeting, where they essentially have a year of orientation where you learn how to, how to like take care of your money. You learn how to invest money. You learn how to save money. You learn how to deal with the travel. You learn how to deal with the media. And they have almost a crash course, almost like a school, while you play through the G League and you'd spend one year after high school in the G League learning how to be an NBA player, learning how to be a professional before you go to the pro club and you eventually start playing for the NBA team. Yeah, and then you, uh, the NBA can kind of keep an eye on you and make sure you're out of trouble, and I think you would have to adhere to the NBA's policy of uh, behavior and representing yourself and the league. And of, course, and, of course, you have to – you'll actually be making money because you'll be in the G League, yep. and that's another thing college is going to have to step up on is players have, will have that option to go play professional basketball – and make money. Now, granted, they're not going to be on the bright lights and the TVs and uh, the NCAA tournament, and they're not going to be in, but they won't have to go to school. They won't have to, as some of them probably look at it, I value education very highly, uh, take classes that they're not going to use because they're ball players and they're going to make millions. So I, I could see a lot of players taking that option, and it could end up being a very, very interesting thing for the league to dive into. They're going to have to because there's Australia is already starting a a league where they take high schoolers directly out of high school. Like Brian Bowen, who was the guy who got caught at Louisville for the recruitment issues, he's going yeah. to Australia next year to play one year out, and he's going to come to the NBA directly after. And he's going to learn how to play professional basketball with grown men who bang and are strong and are going to throw him around. And that's going to help him a ton. I got firsthand look at that with the Nuggets and Tory Craig this past year, where after playing in the Australian and the New Zealand leagues, where these are just grown men, 
then he was able to show up in the NBA and be physically ready to deal with the toll that it takes on your body and things like that. So I think you're going to see a lot more of these options pop up. I mean, even LeVar Ball tried to start a league where players can do this and get paid. This is an idea that is floating around in a lot of circles, and you're going to see it continue to grow and rapidly progress throughout the rest of the league because right now the NCAA is just corrupt, and they're not paying the players, and they're making things difficult, and they're pulling PR stunts. And people are sick of it. People, granted, do not want their kids to have to deal with that if they're going to be professional athletes. There are more important lessons to learn for them at this point in their careers than it is just to go to school and do what everybody else does throughout college. They're not everybody else, and they're not going to be everybody else, and that's an important part of this conversation. It is, and it's an interesting one to have. And I'm glad we were able to talk about it a little bit here on the show because it's something we haven't really dived into on the show as a topic. But – uh May have to bring it up and let my co-host uh, weigh in on this. But speaking of my co-host, one last question for you, TJ, and I'll let you go. And I believe I've kept you way too long, and I apologize. Oh, but, you're um, fine. But Gary Harris, uh, he was very convinced last year that Gary Harris was one of the better players on Denver's team. Uh, what is Gary Harris's role now with uh, Isaiah Thomas coming on board and Jamal Murray is the man at the point guard? What do you think Gary Harris will be uh, moved to? For his position. Gary Harris will not be moved. Gary Harris is the starting two guard of this team. He is, in my opinion, the second best player on the team. He's the second most important player on this team. Gary Harris really embodies the philosophy that this team has. He is everything that you want in a player to play alongside Nikola Jokic. He fights defensively and scraps. He's a guy who plays off ball brilliantly. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA at this point. He's in the top 10, in my opinion. And his game off the dribble is growing by leaps and bounds seemingly every single game that he plays. Gary Harris, in my opinion, will be in the most improved player category next year. He could be averaging 20 points a game like four rebounds, three assists, and he could be a guy that shoots 45% from the field, 40% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. He is that good of a player, and he is that integral into this Nuggets team. They need him in everything that he does, and a big reason that the Nuggets struggled against Minnesota was that Gary Harris was unhealthy, and he was not able to be the same player he was after a knee injury. And all of those things, he, the, the Nuggets need Gary Harris, and I, in my opinion, I completely agree with your co-host. He is one of the most up-and-coming best players in the league, and he's going to really show out this year as the Nuggets' second-best player, in my opinion. Well, there you go, TR. Let your head get big now. We've had the expert <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> but, uh, TJ, thank you so much for joining me here on uh, this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. We appreciate your time, and, again, thank you. It's an almost 30-minute interview here, and I promised you it would be like 15, but uh, – Appreciate you talking oh, with totally me and, and getting on the show, and uh, we hope to have you back sometime. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online and uh, listen to your podcast if you have one or read your writings or anything like that. Yeah, so milehighsports.com. Click on the Nuggets section. You'll just see all kinds of stuff up there from me. I'm not sure what's going to be up when you listen to the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA. Go follow Mile High Sports at Mile High Sports and then at Nuggets underscore daily for the podcast. All kinds of good stuff popping around at Mile High Sports. Well, there you have it. That's TJ McBride. Thanks again, TJ. Hope to have you back soon. And you have a good evening, sir. And Again, we'll be with you in touch for more Denver Nuggets talk, hopefully as we get closer to the tip-off. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Yep. Have a good one. You too.
Well, Tim, that was my conversation with TJ McBride, covers the Denver Nuggets, and we want to thank TJ for giving us so much time. We talk, end up talking for close to a half an hour, but it was a conversation well worth it, if you ask me. TJ's a, uh, he's a really good dude. I'm glad he could be on the show. But uh, speaking of good dudes who have been kind of MIA the past couple of weeks in terms of uh, the flagship program here, we have had a chance to catch up with our buddy, T.R. Shock himself, Tom Robinson. Tim, do you want to give us a lowdown? You were the one that had the chance to talk to him. What, what's been going we, on with T.R.? Well, we have managed, despite the, uh, having a schedule on par with Frank Sinatra and the, the uh, not being able to get anywhere near this superstar, Tom Robinson, you know, somehow it's I tough. think he, he forgot to get he forgot to give his uh, the security team our, our clearances or something because I had a heck of a time even getting anywhere near him. But apparently he's been incognito uh, down at uh, in Sixersville, uh, trying to get to the bottom of uh, what's going on down there, and uh, he had a, he's got a lot to say. So uh, we should get right yeah, to I it. Yeah, I think uh, uh, he's been looking. He's been trying to uh, get to the bottom of what's going on with the Sixers idea, uh, the Sixers, the curse. I think Tr's trying to get down to find out what's going on with all these rookies that keep getting hurt. He wants answers, uh, man. I think. That, Tom Robinson is, 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 I think, poised for a power move inside the Sixers organization where he, he's uh, going to attempt a coup pretty quick if things don't settle down down there. He might just do that. But uh, let's go now, Tim, to your conversation with our buddy, the one and only T.R. Shock himself, Tom Robinson. All right, we have finally managed to track down our man on the scene, our man who knows all, the man who knows everything about the Sixers, the one man in Philadelphia who does not buy the hype, does not trust the process, and is ready to tell you how things really are with his beloved 76ers. T.R., are you there? Yes, sir. I am here. I am live and in living color, if you will. Uh... It is the daytime. Let's, let's talk about your beloved 76ers and what they have done, what they have not done. Um, a quick look at the roster. Um, I guess the big changes would be that they have not re-signed Mr. Ballinelli and Mr. Ilyasova. Um They drafted half the universe and then promptly traded half the universe. Um, Mr. Smith has uh, joined the long ranks of uh, Philadelphia 76-year rookies who are injured. Uh, what's going on in Philadelphia, sir? A lot of hype for a team that's really uh, a middle-of-the-pack squad, in my opinion. Um, ended the season with the two aforementioned pickups, Bellinelli and Ilyasova, on a 16, 17 if you count the playoffs or something. I forget what it was, but 16-game win streak, which gave him a very lofty 52-win season, but it was, if you're close to the situation, it was very transparent that they were playing mostly teams that were already tanking and uh, <clears throat> didn't care too much about 
you know, exposing the lack of defense on Marco and Ursan's part. Um, not so much Ursan as much as, as Marco, but uh, nonetheless, it, it was a, it was it was a fun ride until we met those uh, those damn Boston Celtics who exposed every little thing that we we sucked at and made us look pretty much exactly what we are, a middle-of-the-pack team who's in search of a leader and a true superstar. So you you are not buying into the hype that the Sixers are, at at worst, a uh, contender for uh, first in the East behind the Celtics? No shot. Um, unless, you know, injuries happen, the Celtics... Last year, game one, Gordon Hayward's foot turned around 30 times like uh, the cartoons and then spun back. And uh, Kyrie Irving got hurt, et cetera. But unlike us, the other guys stepped up and Tatum proved he was a superstar. That team's going to be awesome. And we're playing them opening day and uh, Christmas Day on national TV. Wonderful. Um, So when I look at this lineup now, you're the expert, not me. I mean, I see some promise. I mean, and yet in the same breath, I have to wonder who's who's running this team. Like they don't have a general manager, correct? No, I just uh, I just saw an ad for Sixers general manager on Craigslist. You uh, you have to have three <laughs> yeah, years right. of um, of watching basketball as your that's your only experience require. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because it seems to me that they have a lot of young players uh, who don't seem to care very much, or at least uh, my the initial appearance, they don't seem to care too much about their basketball futures as they continue to do uh, what I consider to be incredibly stupid things for guys who've only played in the league for a year or two to be doing. Um, you've got Markel Fultz, who has once again disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, I, nobody seems to know what he's up to. Uh, you got Joel Embiid, who's trying to kill himself in his uh, home country. I believe he's what Cameroon. I believe he's from. Uh, he's there trying yeah. to show off to the locals and nearly kills himself. And then you got um, Ben Simmons, who thinks he's a uh, Kardashian, who I see more on uh, e television than I do him mentioned in any basketball uh, uh, terms. Uh, is this like do they? I mean, who's 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 going to be the who's the leader of this team? Who's going to lead them? Who's going to pull them together? Because I don't really see anybody. Uh, like they seem to be a team that kind of seems a little bit lost in the off season. Like you don't hear, I, I don't read this stuff about other teams' rookies. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to say they're not doing it, but it doesn't seem to be as prevalent anywhere else. Yeah, well, they're still the sexy team to the other markets who don't really study what what the team really is. Um, as you said, Tostapa says he's down in Cameroon, and my first love was soccer, so I don't care about playing basketball because I play for national team and I do pele kick with a bunch of kids. I play with the kids because I'm a big kid. And yeah, you know, I didn't see it, but you know, I think. Well, it's, yeah, I, imagine. Uh, I mean, he, Joel Embiid's seven feet tall. 
You can imagine what that looks like when he jumps up in the air and attempts a bicycle kick and misses and then has to crash to the ground. What's worse, he's not playing on a regular soccer pitch. It just looks like somebody's backyard, like uh, and it's dirt, like it's not an even field. It's rough. He could have easily, he could have hurt himself big time, and didn't seem to care much. And it just strikes me as, it strikes me as odd that the, somebody on the Seventy Sixers isn't going, hey, somebody talk to Joel's agent and tell him to knock this shit off. He's, we get, you know, he's getting paid twenty five million dollars and he's off fucking around. Uh, trying to be a, I don't know what he's trying to be, but uh, it just seems ridiculous to me that your, uh, well, your best player probably or one of your best players is off doing this in the off season. Yeah, he's the best. Um, he uh, been playing for their national team or whatever, and uh, I don't know if he if he was hiding it in his arsenal due to the structured play of the NBA, but. I mean, he's been doing some crazy. I mean, uh, it, it kind of goes back to the soccer point, but he's been doing some crazy guard-like crossovers and uh, you know, taking ISO ball, et cetera. Which fifty percent of me cringes at, especially the soccer. But there is a little part that respects and likes his enthusiasm, although it's probably going to end up with... Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I understand what you're trying to... You know, it's kind of nice to see that he's pretty cocky and in a way and uh, thinks he's got the skills to do whatever he sets his mind to do. And like, I, I guess I can see where that's kind of a a positive in some ways. I guess there was one video earlier in the summer where he was about to go down a, a water slide, and I mean he's a big kid who's exceptionally talented. Um, and in the old days before cameras, we didn't see what the other guys did, but they were tougher. They would just shake it off, you know. They didn't have eighty-two guys in our medical staff saying, you know, you need to fucking time yeah, measurement a, or whatever that term's called. You have an unbalanced uh Yeah. <laughs> whatever it may uh, be. <laughs> we need to sit you down. We'll <laughs> get to nails are not both the same length. Your your nails aren't the same length on both hands. We gotta sit you down. You get unbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he, yeah, I guess, he, he, he actually really stopped to think about it. Back in the day you know, they probably didn't do stuff like that. But you would have you would have been you would have not had to have tried too hard to find pictures of uh, NBA stars or any sport for that matter um, in the bar uh, smoking cigars doing doing things of that nature that wouldn't have been you know if you would have saw a picture of Joel Embiid laying on the floor drunk out of his skull that would probably bring up a lot more outrage than this, the bicycle kick would whereas that was a thing they all did back in the day or pretty much. Yeah, I, I think at his size and with his history, if if he does take that real injury again, like not just a twisted ankle or something, if he takes that back or foot or something that he's had a history with, I think it's uh, bye-bye Joel. So you should put the kid gloves on him and should put the lockdown on him because he's, he's any chance of them. I mean, they're a playoff team. I'm not going to sit and bury them, but 
Um, with Brett Brown as the coach and slash GM, the no effort, it seems no effort at least from what's been released, to get somebody in place since the departed uh, burner account extraordinaire Brian Colangelo <laughs> has uh, stepped down and still blames it on his wife. Still that must be a great laugh. relationship. Still Bitch, you should have took the hit for me. I ain't fucking you. I wonder what's going Don't on in that bedroom. One would have to wonder. But, uh, but then, you know, too, like I said, I, I wonder about, like, the, 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 the team and the, the – uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the aura around the team. Because, like, Sap, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, Joel Embiid's got to have a manager or an agent. What the hell is that guy doing? Uh, no, well, Joel, I tried you to. Know, no, Joel, it is not a good idea for you to do this. And I can come up with 25 million reasons why. I was going to say a joke, but, you know, even I'll censor myself just in case, because this is the serious show. So I'll, I'll tell you off air. But, um, All right, fair enough. Uh, just from, you know, if you're just looking at the, at the situation, like I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, okay, who, you know, I, I have not read that, uh, who went number one in the draft? Uh, that, DeAndre Ayton to Phoenix. Okay, I, I'm not reading anywhere. Now, granted, it's not quite the same thing. Well, Eric, I'll, I'll go further. I'm not reading anywhere. Even a, a guy who has a bit of goofy press follow him around. I, I'm not reading anywhere that uh, that Lonzo Ball is off, you know, trying trick shots in a Lithuanian circus. You know, even, <laughs> his, even he's smart enough to know that, you know, you got a future – there where you can, you know, and then Embiid's even got, I mean, he's got way more of a future than Lonzo Ball has. Where you got $25 million and and what could be easily, you know, you know, one of those LeBron-like contracts, you know, 10 years for $150 million, and you're off, and you already had injury trouble on top of it all, and then you're off doing, doing stuff that seems ridiculous. Um I don't know. It just to me, it, it reeks of a team that doesn't have a uh, very much control of their players. I guess you could say. Yeah. No structure there. Um, they believe their own hype. Uh, they believe the national because they're the national darling because they've got the Embiid who's colorful, who talks on Twitter, who's as we said, very talented, a great big man for his lack of experience. If he could stay healthy, I mean, it's the sky's the limit with the guy, but he's not doing things. He's, he should basically take a role in like jackass four and just be with like Johnny Knoxville and I'm getting catapulted yeah, into a wall some, or something. You go do like the, you know, like Shaq used to do where he would show up in some stupid movie for three minutes or even LeBron has done it a little bit where he's in a movie for, you know, he's got 10 minutes and four minutes worth of screen time, but he gets to go do something different. And like, I get one to do something different, but it just seems to me that I don't know for, for a team, like I listen to you guys all year. Okay. It's 76ers are there, you know, at the beginning of it, well, well, they're maybe a playoff team, but no more. Then it was okay. These guys are actually not that bad. They did fairly well in the playoffs. Then I look at what the, I, and I'm going, okay, like 
Tom should be pretty excited because, you know, his team is a pick or two away or a trade away maybe from being pretty damn good. Then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah then all of a sudden, draft day comes. They draft five guys, or six guys, I should say. They draft six guys. They trade four of them away. They drafted draft six, traded eight somehow. <laughs> <laughs> traded four guys away for uh, two guys who, well, Zaire Smith, which I don't know what he's going to turn out to be, but he gets hurt. They traded wait, 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 or as Nate would say, Zaire Smith. <laughs> Zaire, Zaire, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Then I won't he, he even get, attempt. No, you, you pronounce, he's Zaire Smith. And Nate That's what is I great with names. Nate is great with names, but for whatever, like Kyrie Irving, forever he's insisted on calling him Zyrie, <laughs> which I always okay, well, how about, chuckle at. When how I about I, I lay on that. you, Costas ABCDFG, because that one I don't know how to say. Uh, I don't fully second. know how. Even yeah, he was their second round pick, but they trade him, they trade him and Ray Spalding to Dallas for this Shake Milton or Shaki Milton, or however you say it. And he oh, I just shit. read that he's just only been cleared to start practice. Yeah. He must have been he's hurt. hurt. Okay. <laughs> what in the what in the happy the yeah. H-E double hockey sticks are these guys doing? And, and the second trade, round. Are, yeah. yeah, and then yeah. they pick they pick their they, they go for their first round pick. Now you gotta think. At least in my mind. That first pick, tenth overall, he's the guy you want, right? That's the pick where he's the guy that you've sat down and figured out. Okay, he's the one we want to work into the team. So what do they lined do? up they perfectly. Pick, they pick him. Everybody's happy with the pick. Ten minutes later, they've traded him. And what's yep. more is the team. The team they trade him to is willing to give up the. Uh, their pick and a number one for the guy. So he must be pretty good, eh? He must have some kind of upside, you'd think. Solid, solid player, NBA player, big. So now know, again, three my brain eight. goes, why? Why does it appear that the Philadelphia 76ers are trying to load up for 2021? They've now got. Uh, uh, an extra, they got a first rounder in 2021. They got a, a second rounder from for trading Kyrie Thomas. Like, do they know something I don't? Or like, it just uh, those are moves that make no sense. They're regressing back to their old ways of of the scam hanky era. Okay, well, so and, that leads me that leads me to my next question. Is Philadelphia ownership, did they get a little nervous and thought, God damn it, this team got good or could get real good? We don't want that to happen. That means that means opening up the, the, the vault to pay all these guys. Maybe we need to start tinkering. Yeah, they got enough right now in uh, Simmons and, and Bede to sell jerseys and to sell out the arena and uh, make a good highlight film. And that's all the ownership really ever cared about. 
and they they made up this process thing and got the the bookworm to sit in the basement and nobody would talk to him. And it kept being draft picks till it's time to pay them, ship them off until they were gunned to their head last year with Embiid where they had to do something. And they signed him to a five-year big hit, big money. And he repays them by doing bicycle kicks. But uh, It's just so bizarre. I mean, I look at, I look that, at their yeah. roster, and I'm going, okay, their top paid player is Embiid. All right, fine, fine with that. Then they got, uh, okay, J.J. Reddick's getting $12 million, which is a significant um, drop-off from Pay what top. he was getting. So I can live with that. I mean, J.J. Reddick brings a lot to the table. I can I can live with that. Um, what does Wilson Chandler bring to the table? I don't know. Um, At 31 Nate's years fairly, old. Nate's fairly high on him. Um, but in Denver... As far as salary goes, he's next on the list. He's a veteran presence, and in Denver, you know, they have like eight of those guys, eight $10 million players that are going to produce to a certain level, but they're not superstars. And I don't think he'll be welcome here because uh, I think he's the kind of guy who's used to an environment where you go, yo, <laughs> asshole, get your head in the game. Excuse me. And – and as soon as he says that to Prince uh, Simmons or uh, King uh, Joel, <laughs> they'll go back to management or ownership even. And uh, all of a sudden, Wilson Chandler was traded for a 2021 second-round pick to the, you know, whoever. All right. So, uh, so you got – And Mike so Mescala they about, picked up to. Okay. How do you feel about Robert Covington? Uh, after last year, I, I just, I started to believe in him the year before and last year he just, I mean, I forced you to watch some of their games. You you see the well, look in his my, eyes like. He's on the list of players that, uh, that, uh, the 76ers better not resign. Or at least if they do, they better not right. do it for big money. Well, he's already got a contract. He's, he's, he's hooked up for. I forget, maybe well, make ten next mil. year and a year he's after. Ten mil. Yeah, he's hooked up for a little while, um, unless they can suck him into a trade somehow. But, but they're not they're not Danny Ainge. They don't give a shit. They just want to sell out the building. They they care yeah, about the so, devils, man. They love your sport, them owners. Yeah. <laughs> and then I look like okay, I see the name Amir Johnson, and I go okay, I know that guy. But then I realize okay, I know that guy from ten years ago. And he's a year older. And, and he's, so he's getting Redick. up there, and and I'm wondering. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to have somebody on the team, but I'm just not seeing. Like, and then I think that, and then they got the two guys that I think should get to play all the time, who don't is McConnell and and Sarek, Dario, who plays a bit, but I think he should get to play more. And McConnell should, I don't know. To me, they should put him out there three quarters of the game if they could, because at least he tries. Yeah, they they will end up going to TJ like they do all the time. It's it's such a funny dynamic with him. It's like uh, we can't put him out there, and then we have to put him out there. Uh, <laughs> then, he, then he does well, and then they take him, and then they pull him off the court. <laughs> yeah, Sar, Sar- Sar- will have no his uh, 
Nah, I mean, it's one of those deals in all sports where, like in football, it glares where you sign the, uh, you know, big-time draft pick quarterback and you have to play him over the guy who's tearing it up in, in practice and in his minutes that he gets when the guy twists his ankle or whatever. But you have to go back with the starter. He's your $40 million guy. No, you have to fucking win. Fuck the $40 million. You'll make that back when you win, you dumb fuck. But that's, that's what I always figured. Adage. I could never understand that. You'd see it in the, like, you know, it would have been like, uh, I mean, it never happened because he didn't get healthy quick enough. But it would have been like if the Eagles, uh, what's his name, gets hurt. The other guy carries him through the playoffs. Then it's a Super Bowl. Uh, who are you going to go with? going to go with the guy who just played the last two weeks and won, or are you going to go with the guy who won during the regular season? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you're going to go, you should go with a hot hand, right? But I could have seen where that might not have happened there. Okay, he's ready to play, so we, we've got to put him in there. Uh, he, That's that's a little tougher because Wentz was on the way to a possible MVP uh, pre Pre-injury. No, yeah, and then, true. But logically, if you haven't played football for – you had an injury and you haven't played for, what, three or four weeks, and the other guy has been and, and lightened it up, that to me is a no-brainer. Nick Foles starts well, the Super Bowl, and if he if he falters, then we put Wentz in. But otherwise, you'd have to be crazy. We'll we'll spend uh, just one more minute on football because we got a lot of that coming. But um, Wentz? By the timeline of that injury, it was not supposed to be back uh, for safety's sake. Right, and it was a little bit different. He, he, they were pretty sure he wasn't coming back. But I'm, I'm just using nah, I an mean, analogy. I'm just saying he, he, he wasn't supposed to be back like now. Like he wasn't supposed to be doing the things he's doing now. Well, and and it's to be on the safe side. You've got a Super Bowl winning quarterback and damn near everybody returning. I wouldn't put him in. I don't want to get no. Get into I, I, I don't think long. I would have either. Just on the chance that I, I didn't, I wouldn't want to see him get hurt. And now, not right. only have I Make blown sure this Super well. Bowl, I've, I've blown next year. Yeah, <laughs> or possibly Make sure, next make sure year. he's okay. Fair enough. But he's 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 a stubborn guy who's worked like crazy. Well, Love his passion. Like, he, you won't see him doing bicycle kicks, put it that way. But that's a different no. kind of cat there. But uh, back to that uh, right, so terrible – back to being depressed. That leaves us, um, that leaves us to our last two uh, enigmas on the 76ers. Kind of mentioned all the bit players. Uh, we don't need to talk about the, the curse. That's, we've covered that quite a bit. Um, not that we haven't covered Markel Fultz quite a bit, but – well, I'll say it really quick. Uh, Landry Shamet uh, showed the most promise in summer league. He was sticking threes and uh, great off the ball, et cetera, which is kind of what they need. Boom. The ankle injury. Well, good for him. At least somebody league. there is. Because I would have thought, and I know it's not something they normally do, but I would have thought Mr. Fultz should have been in the summer league uh, working on his game. Everybody does accept Fultz. And, and his uncle or whatever. No, that's Kyrie, or that's uh, Kawhi. That's Kawhi. Male figures, I, I don't man. know. I don't know how you expect to get. Like, how, how do they figure that? 
Because he played what? Uh, well, very little last year. Played a couple of games, right? Like a handful. Um, hey, in your top ten, in your top ten, could he answer a question sitting at a desk in school? I'm gonna guess. I just no. thought of that. I just thought oh, of that. I, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, teacher. except that he, well, no one would ever know because Markel never raised his hands to answer any questions. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had an inbound. <laughs> he had to scream at teach, oh, and no. the teacher got mad and suspended him. I'm guessing like Markel was that kind of kid that question time came, he was he would like shrink down and try to be as small as possible and not be seen. Actually, you know what? He probably floated right through high school and college wherever he was because he had the talent uh, in that way, and nobody probably cared whether he got education or not. To be honest, uh, I got I got to take a more another minute to tell a quick. Uh... I'm going to botch it, but Sam Roberts you're familiar with, right? Uh, he's now does some WWE pre-shows and has the, a radio show. The man with the, the, man with the wild hair? Exactly. Uh, oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, was in, he was in a class at Syracuse with one Carmelo Anthony. And, uh, for whatever class that was, he showed up one day of, of that you know, semester or whatever. I believe that. At, and he, like you said, almost like you described with Markel, he put it. He had a hoodie on, pulled all the way up, and put his head down on the desk. And they were discuss- The professor was discussing something about war or, or something of that nature. And Carmelo, lo and behold, uh, raised his hand with his head still down. And he said, "Mr. Anthony, uh, you want to chime in?" He goes. He pulled his head up and said, "Yeah, war is bad, man. I don't like war." And then put his head back down. <laughs> Jesus. I have no There's problem believing that. A plus. <laughs> because I remember, I can't remember the school, but it, it's probably 10 years ago now, but it was another one of those NCAA scandals where the uh, the uh, head of the basketball t- program was, was actually a, a professor too, and he taught basketball. And, of course, everybody on the team took basketball as a course. And they caught yeah. the and they caught him like you know the midterm in, you know and this is a it was a big college too I, I wish I could remember which one but you know and the midterm was basically if uh, you know if you shoot a, a a basket behind the three point line how many points do you get <laughs> you know it was it was questions of that caliber yeah and he they couldn't understand the outrage you know okay you know. You, you guys, you're giving these kids tens of thousands of dollars scholarships, and they're <laughs> the biggest class they're taking is basketball. <laughs> That's frightening. And then probably had to have half of them couldn't pass the test because they couldn't write their name down. But that's a stories for other days. So anyway, uh, the Seventy Sixers. So you are of the opinion that they are at best. A playoff team, and at worst, a hot mess that is going to fall apart. There's heavy, heavy rumors from good sources that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid do not like each other. And unlike Shaq and Kobe, where they can fuel each other, trying to outdo each other, these two are different type cats. So, um, now that Ben's officially a uh, a Jenner or whatever the fuck. 
Kardashian. Yeah, he's dating a Jenner, but he'll he'll soon be a. He should be putting in for the sex change shortly. Ten years. That's that's the Joe Rogan bit. Moving to the, he'll be moving to the WNBA. On. Yeah. So uh, you know they're they're incre- incredibly athletic. Those two. Ben, as you saw, didn't shoot, scored one point in a, in a playoff game, a crucial playoff game. Uh, Markel Fultz, oddly enough, especially coming from me, because I didn't want him here at number one. I didn't want that trade up, blah, 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 blah. You all know the history. Right. He is, if, if somehow this Drew Hanlon, which he's secretly working alone with as opposed to playing, on his shot and on certain moves and what have you. And Hanlon's had success with other people. Uh, he is literally their most important player coming in the next season. Are you suggesting that there's a possibility that if Markel Fultz finds his game, that he could, uh, and Landry Shamit turns into, reaches some type of potential? That ben There's also maybe, Corkmaz, yeah. Yeah, that 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 Ben Simmons may become expendable. Uh, I I wouldn't say expendable yet. Well, in but, the in the sense that if he if he if they can kind of replace him by committee, and he doesn't get along with Mr. Embiid, that they could that they could they would look at moving him. You know, I hate to say it, but I would. I don't know if they would, just because of the money he brings in and all that jerseys and shit. But um, it depends on what the return is, right? Should be able to get a boatload for Ben Simmons. Yeah, like it, you know how Demar went to uh, San Antonio for Kyrie, and like the Philly, the, the fans and and whatnot, and the the the, the marks basically. There we go. Are you crazy? Ben Simmons is going to be blah 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 blah. Not so sure. I would take DeMar DeRozan right now and, uh, you know, deal with what I got. We, we'd be a pretty tougher team, I, although DeMar seems to disappear against LeBron. It also, it also to seems to me if they, traded, if they traded Ben Simmons, as the 76ers love to do, they could get a whole pile of draft picks. And and I don't know who, like, And then in it's the 2035. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who does their picking, but I can just see them having nothing but fun with – you know we've got we've got a couple we got a couple of our own picks. We traded for a couple in this year's draft. Now we got like six more for Simmons. Man, we can do some. You know we'll take. They'll have to hire two or three guys just to track the 76ers draft picks and who's been traded for who and what. Because man, they had a field yeah, Brett, at the draft. Let me tell you, Brett, Brett Brown in charge with his uh, whatever they are uh, minions associates. They're, they're, they were like that guy at every fantasy football draft that doesn't like his positions. Like, well, I'll give you the third round of the first pick, and uh, just let me move up. <laughs> what do you mean uh, you don't want two third rounders for Tom Brady? What are you? What's wrong with you? Uh, he's that guy when he got the uh, draft power. It's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's crazy yeah, as, uh, as we tape this, and it's even it's even more crazy. Well. I'm not sure of the dates of the NHL, but the NHL usually starts a couple weeks before. However, the NBA pushed up their opening uh, day to the 16th of October, and as we tape, that's two months away. We're not we're not far, uh, you know. Uh, in the big in the big picture, um, we're not far away from a whole lot. Uh, 
college football is right around the corner. Um, uh, the uh, NFL starts in two weeks, uh, September the f- yeah, the first week of September anyway. Hockey is uh, right around the corner. Uh, I believe October the some the first or something crazy like that. Um, it's it's not far off. I mean, uh, all of a sudden the sports are going to come. We're going to get back to normal, where there's yeah. uh, something going on every every day, and uh, we don't have to struggle to try to find something to talk about because you know the off season is just death. <laughs> it's just and, boring. And in truth, and in truth, uh, there's a little sliver of baseball in me, and it, it does get more exciting as the playoffs arrive so yeah baseball the playoffs is the only thing that matters did the, the, the you know the games now already like i looked yesterday and like baltimore is like 39 games out of first place yeah like who who would even like it just doesn't matter like give me let's let's just fast forward to uh the wild card games can we so that the game's yeah, you know how again. you know how they'd go by mathematically, and then they put the X that they clinched or Y or whatever right. asterisk. Why not just do it now? It isn't, it isn't like Boston's going to go on a thirty-nine game losing streak, and Baltimore's going to just run well, the table. It would, it would really take something for uh, Boston not to win the division. They would have to fall totally apart. And everybody else would have to go on, you know, 20-game winning streaks. For, it's pretty uh, funny. Like, Baltimore literally could go on a 25-game win streak. And, and, and still not stop. even dent it. <laughs> not even yeah. dent it. Not even come close. Yeah, because they're what? Yeah. Uh, what are they at? They're 80, 39, 100, 129 games. So they've got uh, 33 games. No, so they're, yeah, no, they're already out of it. There's thir- they only oh, have 33 good. games left, and they're 49 and a half behind. They can't, they couldn't catch them if they wanted to. Uh, Toronto's the, the Blue out. Jays are next. They're 31 games behind, so they're just about out. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this is why, ladies and gentlemen, not to be a jerk, but this is why basketball or football, even or hockey, are better sports to watch long term than than baseball. Because this happens in baseball every year, where two or three teams are the powerhouses and everybody else sucks. And they're 20 and 30 games behind, and there's no point in even watching. I mean, in the NBA, there was still last game of the season. There were still spots up for grabs. Yeah. And you won't see that on the last day of Major League Baseball, I can guarantee it. How about this? Because I'm a little bit... How about this because I'm oh, a little bit groggy. Markel Fultz will average 17 points per game this season. Well, and I put it to you, sir. Or would we like to put, would we like to put an over under on how many games he takes to achieve this mark? He, no, he, I, I I think he's going to have. Uh, Drew Hanlon in his ear instead of that other weirdo. So I, I think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be game-winning important points, but I think he'll get. No, his, but are you uh, suggesting we're going to see Mr. Fultz on a semi-regular basis this year? 
Yes, we are, unfortunately. Um, he's penned in as their fucking guy, their third guy. Well, you know what? Last year was just... In all flip. honesty, I know nothing about the kid except his bad press. And the, his bad press is not him generating it. So I almost wouldn't mind seeing Markel Fultz come out and turn into a good player. Uh, yeah, kind of. Sort of, you know, in a way, uh, he's he's kind of a dummy. You can tell this by looking at him; he's a dumb. Well, they all are, but uh, but I I I I don't a number. I don't ever see him justifying the number one overall. One thing he can do is score. No, me neither. But he can at least put together a decent career. Yeah, he'll be around, and hopefully, and the Sixers say in Philadelphia, not somewhere else. Sixers go from fifty-two wins to to forty-five, in my opinion. It's 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 still early, but that's what I see right now. Well, I see in the uh, not to knock our good friends at ESPN, but I'm going to knock them anyway. They have them uh, being the four in the East. Yeah, and Which Vegas I has their over under at like fifty-four or something. But then again, these guys also seem to think that Toronto is not going to. Uh, lose a beat either, and I'm not quite sure that I agree with that assessment either. But you wonder how they get the yeah. jobs. Well, actually, four for the Sixers. I mean, a quick look at the Raptors. You've you fired the best, supposedly the best coach in the NBA, or one of. So you fired you him. Got and replaced your him with, you got rid of your best player. You got rid of your best player for a guy who's good, but who still hasn't even said whether he's really all that excited to go there or not. And yeah. somehow that is going to produce uh, more wins than this year. And I'm like, all right. Mind you, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, – well, I guess you haven't because oh, yeah, I'm pulling the curtain back because we're pre-recording. Um, one of the gentlemen who was on the show that this that this will post tomorrow um, is from Lakerville. And he also – and I brought it up on the show – so I hope I didn't offend anybody, but I also felt he was maybe uh, drinking the Kool-Aid a little too heavy. And I guess you'll get to hear uh-huh. his interview tomorrow on the same show as this one. But, um, you know, that's because LeBron is there. Not to give too much away, but, you know, all LeBron's there, and that makes the, and the Lakers are instantly, you know, on a par with Golden State. And I'm like, no, they're not. You're trying to tell me that the Lakers the, – Cleveland Cavaliers, if they just all put them in Lakers jerseys last year, are no better a team. Are, are that the Lakers this year are a better team than that team? You're crazy. There's no way. Not buying. Ah, uh, should be should be interesting. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's Eric. It's Eric Pincus, all, all full disclosure, who is you know knowledgeable guy, but I kind of felt it was sort of like the field, like what we're talking about. You know that the hype has arrived and that. Uh, you know he's like he, he it was okay. Well, LeBron's here and he will save everything, and I I don't see it that way. But I guess time will tell whether that happens or not. Um, so on that note, let's uh, a final wrap up from you on uh, the, the predictions, maybe, or a final statement on your beloved Seventy Sixers. Two months out, I say. Uh, 46 wins. I say there will be uh, evidence during games of uh, Simmons and, and Bede yelling at each other. 
Martel Fultz will improve to the point where he will score, and that'll be about it. But he'll score, and TJ will ride the bench until they're about I don't know six and eight to start the season, and then all of a sudden his minutes will go up secretly and and quietly, and, and, you know. And, and, you know, people like to pick this apart when I when I talk good about him. You have to understand, I'm not saying T.J. McConnell will be the next John Stockton if you play him. He's not a, you know, Olympian, a, a champion, leader, point guard, all-timer. But he's a great, great addition to any lineup. I guarantee if he leaves here, uh, the teams that will look for him will be like LeBron will want him to play. For it with him, uh, Golden State will want him to come there. It won't be like the Jazz. I mean, the uh, the Kings or the the Hawks looking for him. People, uh, the Celtics will be a suitor for T.J. McConnell. They realize the value of players like him. But anyway, uh, there I go again with another rant. Um, Forty-six wins, faults improves. Simmons and Embiid will fight. And God knows when they'll get a GM, which is the most important thing they need to fucking look at right now. So there you have it, folks. Right from TR's mouth to your ears. An honest assessment of the 76ers, probably the only place you're going to hear one. And on that note, we take her back to Nate at the Wide Men Can't Jump Studios. The always outspoken and candid Tom Robinson uh, getting to the bottom of what's going on in Sixerville. What, what do you say about that, Tim? Uh, I'm almost speechless. I mean, who, who, can <laughs> be more eloquent, be? who can be more eloquent than Tom Robinson? Not I. Well, we do oh. want to thank you for we do want to thank you guys for tuning in to Wide Men Can't Jump. This one's kind of all over the place. Uh, the schedule this week has been insane, and we apologize that this is not the normal uh, way we do things. But I think the episode ter- is turned out a little has turned out better than in- anticipated, Tim. So I'm glad we were able to put everything together and put the puzzle pieces uh, together and make this episode be a little different. We had a little bit of everybody contract, on this episode. For my contract, this does count as episode four, right? Yes, this does count as episode four. That You're counts, doing a great I'm, I'm job. One away from, I'm one away from the bonus. <laughs> yes, so you'll get know. your bonus after the next episode. <laughs> Check Beautiful. will be in the mail. Uh, <laughs> we want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, anywhere you download podcasts. We are there. Big thank you to TJ McBride and to Eric Pincus for jumping on the show. Uh, Tim, thank you for filling in here as uh, for the majority. I think you actually might have had just as much airtime as I did this week. Uh, so we had a, we had a wild show this to, week. I do what I can to keep the Wide Men Network moving forward. We should be back Which to being uh, to our – ain't easy we should be back guys, to our, you know. It ain't, but we should be back to our live shows next week. Um, as as stated, just life got in the way this week, so we really thank you guys for listening in, and hope you enjoyed this edition. 
Download us, rate the show on iTunes, uh, give us five stars, and leave us a review. It helps the show out. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow me. I'm at MMITM Nathan. Tim. Tim is at Tileman68. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, even though he doesn't post hardly ever. He just been, retweets a lot. I've been getting a little tape. bit of but I've been getting a little bit of Twitter love, so you may see some action over there. Sooner or later, I'll right. be able to ignore it. And of course, when you want to follow at TR Shock, actually, we want it, we want you to do us a favor. If you follow TR, TR replied the other day to Cody Rhodes's. Uh, wanting to find an independent wrestler who can sing to do the national anthem for all in get a hold of Cody Rhodes, tweet Cody Rhodes and let him know at TR shock serious answers. Cause that man, he can sing. He would do a great job singing the national anthem. He's very melodic for a bit, for a big man. He has a, 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 a much better voice than you would suspect. He really does. He, he's quite a talented singer. So get on Twitter, let everybody hear it. Uh, let let them know. Well, so can, check it out. He can sing better and, than uh, Lillian Garcia. I mean, Lillian, who I say, uh, yeah, definitely get a hold of uh of Cody Rhodes and add all in. Let him know Tr Shock is the man for the job. Uh, but thank is. you guys for listening listening in this week. Check out the Sunday Night Roundtable from this past week in case you haven't heard it yet. Holy shit, is it messed up? You'll not want to miss it. Uh, make sure you check it out. The tweets from that show have been hilarious. I believe you were referred to as one sick Canadian, Tim. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, go check it out online. You got a, a couple oh. re, uh, couple oh. back on that. Well, go check I, it out I, for sure. I wear that. I wear that banner with pride. If, if, if that is in fact was <laughs> as stated, you should again, as you should, Tim. Again, thanks to our sponsors, WowFreeCam.com and the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com. Thanks, guys, for listening in. And, uh, Tim, since he's not here, get get the man's boy. Get little TR to send us home. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Get him. What's that? T- little TR. Get- my da- my da- Give me the phone. My-, my daddy said, my daddy said, don't trust the process. Never trust the process. Ever. Never. Never trust the process. Tim's really mean to me. Peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network. Blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise. Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, facebook.com slash makeupkennedy, and wowfreecam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, Rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. <laughs>